Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yes, Tuesday. Welcome in. Happy, happy, happy August 1st, everybody. That's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis Gunner with the uh, with the new frames there or whatever's going on here. I like them. I, yeah, I got to fl- flip, flip the script every now and then. You know, I've like three or four pair that I use. And I said, you know what? Let me just flip it up just a little bit for today. Like it, man. Like it. What's up, Captain uh, Tony? We see you. What's up, Mr. Taz? Mood swing, Bella. Uh, yo, Mr. Taz, you're muted, D-Gun. No, I'm not. I haven't been muted. Ask Rob. He can verify. You've been on fire. You have. Uh, you've been on a run, man. It's uh, it's been uh, it's been impressive. Your lack of muting. Yeah, I'm proud of you. <laughs> Look, Captain Tony's back. We haven't seen him in a while. Mood swing. Bella's back. Haven't heard from her in a while. Yeah, nice. I like. It's good seeing the folks we we haven't we haven't hung out with in a little while in the uh, in the chat section. But yeah, I know. I know this is. It, it's part of your depression, Derek, when we when we're moving past the summer months. Now we still have August. Let's not get crazy. But Ju- July in the rear view now. How you feeling about that? You gonna be all right? Nah, you know, this is where depression sets in. I, you know, I get more excited for football, but I know summer is almost behind. Where the heck did May and June and July go so quickly, man? I mean, yeah. seriously. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's now true. we're looking at August. You know, that means fall is slowly coming closing in on us. Captain Tony, some of us work. Man, you're on a boat every day fishing. That ain't working. Come on, man. Well, I, you know, we got college football, real games before the end of this month. Think about that for a minute. I mean, hey, the I, Hall of Fame game is Thursday. Oh, my God. Yeah. The NFL I, Hall of Fame game is what? This Thursday, right? Uh, is it this Thursday? 
it is this Thursday because Hall of Fame inductions are this weekend. Oh God, you're right. Yeah, August third. See, you're right. You know I mean? The Jets, eight o'clock. Yeah, Jets in Cleveland. See, yeah. see what I mean? It's man. it. It's here. It's here. It is wild. It is, man. Dude, I've only been fishing once this whole summer. Yeah, that's what is going on there. That's on you, man. You got you got to make it make it happen. You got to carve out some time for you. And what's up, Mister Taz? What is up, Sean? Father Sean, what's up, Richard? What is up, everybody else? Kevin, what's going on? Uh, yeah, you got you got to carve out a little time, man. Before you know it, it's football is going to be upon us. You won't have any time. Man, look, man. Between every time I get ready to do something, Dad, can you babysit the kids? Mom, you know, can you babysit the kids? It's like, can I have a life? I'm not complaining. I love my grandchildren. Don't get it wrong. But there's sometimes we all need to decompress in our own ways. You know, it's for you. It's it's working. <laughs> for me, it's. I just want to go wet a line. I don't even care if I catch anything. I just I, want to wet a line. I yeah. agree, man. I, I Look, do it. You, look, can't you carve out and say, all right, next, uh, whatever, next two, next Wednesday after the show, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm fishing. You, you can't do no. that. See, no. See, what I have to do is I just have to sneak out because if, if I tell anybody I'm going somewhere, it's like, oh, but I thought you would be available to do this. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean you thought? You didn't tell me. Mr. Taz, we are teaching crews how to fish. There you go. Oh, there's. I have no doubt about that. All the grandkids will know how to fish. There but see, crews like to run up and down the shore. He wants to chase bugs and all this stuff. And It's hard yeah. to get a just to sit in the boat. I got you. Sit on the, on and even dock. shore fishing, it's hard to get a four-year-old just to, okay, let us sit there in the water. They want to keep reeling it in. They don't get it. Just let us sit there in the water for a while. So, so when you take grandkids fishing, too, you don't really get to fish because you're teaching them how to cast. Right. You're making sure nobody gets hooked in the butt, you know, or the leg or the arm or the, or, or the face. So it's not like you really get to focus just on fishing, you know. But, but I, I imagine that's got to be the hard thing because with, pish, with fishing, there's got to be a lot of patience. Oh, there's no, oh, no question. Yeah, there's no question. And when you're yeah. talking about little kids like that, there ain't a whole lot of patience. No, but the biggest thrill is when that kid catches a fish for the first time. True. And you watch them reel it in. You know, even if it's small, like a sunfish or something, you just reel it in like it's a, they watch, you watch them reel it in like it's a whale. Yeah. You know? and, and, and that to me, that's, that's a great joy. But then you're sitting there going, man, I just need a, a, a few more casts. I, mean, I, you know, I know. I've always said that, Kevin. I've always said a bad day of fishing is better than a good day at work. There's no question. <laughs> said that for years. It's true. That is so it's true. It's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. I listen. Great. Whatever, whatever floats anybody's boat, man, whatever gives you peace. I'm, I'm down with, I, I'm serious, man. There, I have total sincerity. Um, wait, wait, let me ask you, what do you do to unwind? What do you do to relax? You sound like my wife. Um, yes. it's an issue. Okay. It, it's an issue. I need to, I need to start. I, I play, I play pickleball. Okay. Um, but, I need to do a better job of taking care of me. Yes. I'm not good at that. I'm yeah. serious. I'm not good. You have not to learn good. to decompress, man. If, if you live, if you live your life every day, run, just running and, and worrying about a lot of trivial stuff. Yep. You know what? Medical experts say it's unhealthy. Ex, uh, excessive stress is unhealthy. Yes, it's true. It I, you know? I, um, I have to work on that for real. It's not a good, it's not good <laughs> for real. It's not good. So anyway, that's, that'll be, that's part of what August I'm turning a new page. It's a new no, day. No, you're not. You're not <laughs> going to do it. No, 
I can tell by the look on your face. No, you're not. You're not uh, no, I have for real. I have to. Like, it's no joke. Like, it, it, I have to start consciously making efforts to do some stuff. So, anyway, I, I will. I would. No, I will. I'm not just blowing you off. Like, do you I, have Do you have any built-in distractions? Do you have any hobbies? Um. I I uh, yeah. Uh, well, pickleball is one. You keep. That's it. Uh. Yeah. Not enough. Oh my goodness, that's pathetic. I know it's not good, dude. I tell you what, I tell you one of the most therapeutic things. It's it's funny as it sounds. Yard work. Yeah. Oh, I do that. I, like yesterday, I cut the lawn. Uh, when we finish today, I'll go out. I'm gonna go out and weed whack, and I got to do a couple things. I got to trim some things up, like some branches. I got to trim them back. I do do that, and I actually like. I hate shoveling. I don't like doing leaves, but I I yeah. have I like cutting. I don't really don't mind cutting the lawn and weed whacking and stuff like i real it's like I, I like it see when you turn on a power tool and you can block out all the extraneous noise around you yep to me it's 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 like music to the ears yeah you know because when you're cutting you're focused on getting it right or when you're trimming it it's the, it takes your mind off of other stuff you know yeah. even on a hot day it just takes your mind away to other things and you know now you know, it's for me it's always been fishing yard work and now grandkids right you know um, there's a lot of reasons I could get stressed or, you know, upset about things, you know, but I have distractions. To, I don't get, I don't get upset much. No, I, I, and I, um, I think that's smart. I think what I've begun to do, which I do better when I first tone says he runs a mile and a half every morning. That's awesome. See? Uh, yeah, no, that's good. That's great. I've, I've made it a point where I, I am not on my phone immediately. I'm not. Wow. I'm not sitting down to do work immediately. I give myself a little buffer of like 10 or 15 minutes where I do some other stuff. That helps for sure. That helps. I think if there's one thing I need to overcome and, and it's hard to do in our business is to just get away from my phone for a while. Yeah. Because my phone's always ringing. There's always notifications and something's happening. Um, you see what Mr. Taz said about you? Uh, he said, Rob watched the Bland Food Channel, learning how to remove all flavor from his. Clothes. I I I I'm good at that too. Sills has a question. Uh, how many times a day do you catch yourself talking? <laughs> uh, I do. I do talk. Uh, Dan, uh, several, several, my friend, uh, see, several. See. Yes. What yeah. about Big Sills? Sills, what do you do, man? I mean, are you consumed by your career to the point where you have no mental outlets? What do you do? What do you do to chill? What do you do to relax a little bit? What do you? Anybody wants to chime in? as well on the uh on the chat like like i know uh father sean's a big fly fisherman yeah. you guys will get along real well he, he's an yeah. outdoorsman and he he loves that kind of stuff i know that for a fact but do you guys want to share with us what you do uh to to, to sort of take away i i would I'm, i've thought about a couple of things wait 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 stop right there you've thought about a couple of things how many years have you been thinking about these things Sil says he eats <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. All right. I So uh, two things I have considered doing. Okay. One, taking up gardening for real, because I do like being out in the yard. All right. Two, taking up a musical instrument, probably the guitar. Okay. And, and, and learning, just taking some lessons, get some fundamentals down. So that's two things I'm looking at. Well, now, why, don't do, why don't you do it? I, I, yeah, I have to, I got to figure it out time wise. It's right now. You know the seven day a week schedule is not uh, what the, not what the doctor ordered, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. In the, in, in the spring, I love getting out there with my daughter Tina and 
and we we plant like I plant all my wife's flowers. You know, a lot of flowers that she buys for all these multitudes of flower pots are annuals, which means they'll die off. That's a that's an expensive hobby though. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you know we we buy all these flowers and we re and I replant all the pots in the front and the back for it and stuff. And then we have a garden. You know, uh, two two huge garden boxes that my son-in-law Alex and Tina built for yep. my wife for a Mother's Day gift, like four or five years ago. No, no, like yeah, five years ago. Um, and man, this it's, it's only in late July, dude, you should see the harvest of jalapeno peppers, small cherry tomatoes and medium sized tomatoes. We've already got my kitchen counter, my island in the kitchen is full of stuff from the garden. We got to figure out what to do with this stuff. Yeah. And then the other day, my wife made homemade salsa with the, with the tomatoes we grew in the garden. Oh my goodness, man. You can taste the freshness right out of your garden compared to buying store-bought cans of whole tomatoes, mm-hmm. you know, which is still good, but still, yeah, right. but see, that's that stuff is therapeutic, man. Tilling tilling the organic soils, mixing them, planting them, strategically planting them, separating the plants x amount of inches because you know once they grow, they grow into each other. Things like that. See, that's, see, Rob, this is I'm trying to help I, you. Man. I'm listen. I'm not listen. You think I'm blowing you off? I'm sincerely not blowing you off. I'm not. I'm serious. Like I'm telling you, I need to incorporate this stuff. I'm not even being like trying to be cute here. I need to incorporate this stuff into my life. I do for real, like real talk. Like I have to do it. So I'm, I'm hearing you, man. Trust me. I'm here. And you're not the only one telling me this in my life. I'll just leave it at that. I think you're too, I think, I think you're too tense. I think that's what it is. Wait, wait, too tense and too intense. Yes. They're good. They're they're both tenses. Yes. (laughs) Both tenses. Past, present, and future. Yes, thank you. Um, all right, so I will. If you guys want to throw some stuff our way, well, yeah, like I like JM uh, running while listening to audiobooks podcast. Ex- exercise. Robert says he exercises on his bike two to wow two to four hours a day. Okay, oh, that's that's, too, that's too much for me. That's I can do that. That's intense. That's I, intense. I, I appreciate it. I mean, if that's that's what works for you, yes, yes, um, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, my distressor is hunting and fishing over the weekends. That's Mr. Taz. There you uh, go. Coach Marcus smokes a brisket <laughs> right up your alley there. There you go. Uh, he does that. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, fat cat guy lived to be 109, ate a lot of cinnamon, garlic, onions, and just oh, uh, I'll leave it at that. Anyway, so um, here's, here's what we have today. We've got a lot going on today. Uh, we are now, let's see. Give you the exact you'll love i got i work a countdown in for you derek you'll here we it. go uh we are five hours and about 45 minutes and change away from the baseball trade deadline so okay. far no movement for the phillies uh my guess is i think we're looking at two things i think we're looking at a an outfielder who can hit some home runs for you and i think we're looking at a relief arm i don't think either is going to be blow you away kind of stuff i think it's going to be okay all right, guy could help, which is fine, because here's the thing: it won't matter either way unless your your best players, your highest paid players, start playing. It won't matter either way. Absolutely. Um, they got a good win last night over Miami, and you know, props to Alec Bohm. Alec Bohm, the entire season has been a run producer for this team, and he did it again last night in big spots. As did Bryson Stott with a key sacrifice fly. Those two guys have been beasts, and. You know, as much as we're we're critical of other areas, I'm going to give some love to both of these two younger guys who, who were at, came out of the farm system, et cetera. You know, Bohm's at 66 RBIs now. He's on pace for 101. That's a hell of a season wow. you okay, for him. And Bryson Stott has, has been their best, most consistent hitter all year and did exactly what was needed last night with the sack fly. So, and props to Taiwan Walker. 
who becomes the first National Leaguer with 12 wins. And he didn't have his great stuff. He was not on his A game, but he gutted it out last night. Good win. Like, nice win by the Phillies last night. Good way to start a four-game series. They, they, they started out in a 2-0 hole, and they shut them down from there. And again, which is weird, the lesser names are carrying this team. And we've, you know, we've talked about this, the Bones, the Stotts, the Taiwan Walkers. But you're not getting that from the Nolas, the Wheelers, yep. um, the, the Turners, the Castellanos, all these guys. It's, it's just weird how this team has been able to find enough success to stay relevant. You know, they're back in second place in their division now. Um, they're back in the thick of the, of the uh, wild card race as well. And it's the, guys, it's the, it's the lesser-known guys who are holding down the fort. And here it is, here it is, August, and we're still waiting for the big boppers, the heavy, the heavy metal guys, or the heavy money guys, to 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 start pulling their weight more consistently. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get much of anything from Aaron Nola for the rest of the season. I hate to say that, but I don't. Well, I think it just continues to be all over the place. I, yeah. I think it's it's yeah. it looks good one start, it looks awful the next start, and you, you yeah. have no idea what's coming. I have some concerns about Suarez now pitching. Uh, you know. Um, Kimbrell came out and, you know, gave, gave a nice, nice outing. Yeah. Um, but like we said, you're starting to see some wear and tear there. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this team. I really don't know what to make of this team. I mean, they have everything you need to do what you have to do to get to the playoffs. But because there's so much congestion for that wild card spot, every day we keep talking about who's in, who's out. Every day there's a jockeying for a position. Yeah. You know, up, down, up, down, back and forth. And the Phillies have the most talent of all those teams, and yet they're, they're struggling just to tread above water in a, in a wild card situation. Yeah. No, I, listen, I agree. I agree. And we'll we'll see. I, I, here's what I think was interesting, and it's, you know, unlike him, I think. After Sunday's debacle, I give him credit for this. Rob Thompson had a team meeting, you know, and, and basically laid into these guys and told them, you know, what, what's going on here is totally unacceptable. So props to him for that. Um, you know, and they came out and played a little bit better baseball yesterday. Not not totally clean, but for the most part, better baseball yesterday. And we'll see if they can carry that thing over. And we'll, we'll get into the Phillies a, a little bit more. So the other important thing is, Derek, uh, pads today. Pads, they hit today. Okay? They are hitting. Oh, they, wait, it's over now, wait, but they hit. Wait, wait. Uh, is, it really, <laughs> is it really hitting? Well. Is, is, is it really? Maybe, maybe uh, there was physical contact. How's that? Okay. There was All touching. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, glor- glorify touching. There was touching. Yes. Uh, so they did have pads on today. Did the Eagles. Um, here's, here's, you know, seriously good news is Jalen hurts. Is, has been like really sharp you know yeah. I mean? and he keeps being very sharp. He was very good today. Um, and a couple guys who were, who are at least getting off to good starts here, like Quez Watkins and some others. Are, are continue to play well. Now, obviously, we're all going to look at Quez and say, do it in the game when it counts, when it gets real. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, uh, you know, good day today. Brian Johnson spoke, new offensive coordinator, uh, talked about Hurts, talked about putting his own stamp and his own signature on things while, while also just understanding what they have in place here and how good it is already, which is exactly the way you want him to take, you know, the approach. Hey, I'm going to do my thing. I'm not Shane Steichen. But I also understand that what we've been doing so far, I'm not trying to reinvent a wheel here, which I, I think is exactly the way that you want to go about it. This guy would have been, Gunner, had they not elevated him to offensive coordinator, he would have been snapped up by somebody as their OC. So the, the, he was a, he is a, an extremely hot commodity. 
you know, in this league. And if the Eagles offense, no, we're going to get into that in a second, but if the Eagles offense looks the way it has looked, you know, he probably isn't long for here, but I don't care. That's it. That, we'll worry about that when that happens. And that's a good problem to have. Well, he, he's in a pressure cooker because what they did offensively last year is hard pressed to equal, you know, but we're going to find out. He, he, he says he wants to put his own niche on that. We've talked about that all summer and rightfully so because it only enhances his probability of getting a head coaching job somewhere, if not after this season, uh, in a year down the road, you know, two years from now as well. But you don't want to try to put your own signature on it to the point where it disrupts the flow of what you've been able to do. You know, you you look historically at some of the better offenses throughout the National Football League. When you came to teams like Peyton Manning with the Colts, John Elway with the Broncos, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre in Green Bay, uh, Tom Brady in New England. They did the same thing every year and dared you to stop them, and it couldn't. Yeah, Kansas City is a prime example of that with Patrick Mahomes, you know, under center. So now this Eagles has, this Eagles offense has built something in a short amount of time under Nick Sirianni and his coaching staff. Now we're going to see. I want to see the consistency of it, and I want to see what kind of tweaks Johnson adds to it as well. You know, how much more creative can he get with this offense? Is it more motion in the offense? Is it putting certain receivers uh, that have been exclusive to the outside, maybe lining them up in a slot, maybe in the backfield, different formations like that? Yeah, I want to see how much variation there is because, you know, that old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? Right, yeah. Well, here's the fine line you walk. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I totally agree with that foundation. But you know teams having an entire offseason – to study what the Eagles did are yes. going to try to counter whatever yes. you were doing. Right. Yes. And this is where he and Nick Sirianni and the rest of the staff have to be creative enough to put wrinkles and twists on yes. things yes. while still playing to your strengths. That's really where this, this is all about. I mean, seven of your games this year are against defenses that finished in the top 10 last year. And I think there's another two or three games where defenses finished either number 11 or number 12. So you're facing some good, much better defenses across the board this year than you faced last year. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that that's the other part. You're right. You you are, in addition, your your defense is going to have more of a challenge stopping the other team's offense. Yes. So you're going to have more pressure on you to score points offensively, and or you might have, you know, you might not not have a. It might be a, a case at least against some of these good offenses where your defense you know, maybe get scored on quickly. You're right back on the field. Like there just could be very different circumstances than you had last year. Or with the uncertainty of what we're going to see on defense, even though the personnel looks great on paper, if you have some offenses that are slowly sustaining the clock and controlling the clock, all of a sudden they become much lower scoring games. Yeah. You know, and for an offense that likes to score 28, 30 points a game, now you've got to find a way to score and win games with a lower point total, 23, 24 point games, 20 to 17 type games. And I'm saying this team, this offense has a capability of doing that, but you're not going to get as many possessions of the ball, which means you're going to have to take advantage of more opportunities with lesser volumes of footballs in your hand. That's going to, that's going to, that, that comes into play as well. Good point. And, and look, it's much easier to do your thing and dictate from ahead like you were almost all the time last year. And this is, you could be behind sometimes where you're forced into doing some things or, Hey, we got to throw, we we don't, we we don't have an option to run or whatever. And that's, that's, again, this is going to be part of the challenge that these guys are going to have for sure. So that's going to be something to keep your eye on. 
With that in mind, Derek, here's the question of the day for the Eagles. Yes. For you and for everybody in the chat, everybody listening, everybody streaming. Will the Eagles average more, less, or the same points per game as they did last year? Last year, it was 28.1 per game, which was third in the NFL. They were a top three scoring offense. Will they average more, less, the same, 28.1 per game in your estimation? I would say about the same. And I would say if they would average about the same, that's going to win at least 10, 11 games for this team. And I've said I think they're going to go 11 and 6. You know, 28 points a game is nothing, nothing to, 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 um, to, to smirk at. You know, that, that's a high volume offense if you can average 28 points a game, which means there are going to be games you're going to score over 28 points and there are going to be games you score under 28 points. But I still think this offense is deep enough, fluid enough to make the big plays when they have to, to get the big first downs, to control the clock with their running game when they have to, to score sevens and not settle for threes when they have to. Um, I think about the same is about right for this offense. Some people might think they might average 30-plus a game. I'm not going to discount that as well, but I think, as we just mentioned, with, with them playing a better collection of defenses across the board this season, coordinators have more film on them now to watch to study better what they've done in the past what they will probably try to continue to do. Um, I think 28 points is a good number for yeah, a high I mean, offense. Gunner, put it in perspective. So uh, Kansas City averaged 29.2, Buffalo 28.4. That's it. I mean, they're the only two teams that had scored more points than the Eagles last year. Yeah, I, I look, I, I would be perfectly happy if they were right on the money where they were last year. That, yeah. that tells me, because I think that's going to keep, you're either in the top three or top five, if that's the case. And, and that, should, that should be good enough. You're, Asking a team to put a 30 spot up as an average, that's man, that's a lot. You're asking a lot right there. And and at Kansas City did it, but they have at 29, but they have Patrick Mahomes. So if they're in that range of 28, maybe it's a point less or 29, I'm fine. Uh, I, I I'm with you. I think it's gonna be right around that same number. I I think the biggest thing with Hertz is we're, we're gonna get into the offensive storylines in a minute, but the biggest thing with Hertz is I think there's a, a feeling among people like he can't get better. I don't agree with that. I, I don't either. I, I really think that he can get better. I think he wants to get better. I think he will get better. I, I'm a firm believer in this guy because of the work ethic and the talent and the people that he's surrounded by. So I am a total believer. Hey, uh, uh, you know, Father Sean has a good question for you as well. You know, yeah, yeah this is a good one. All right. So uh, how about on defense, Rob? What was yeah. the average points allowed last year? And will they stay there or not? Okay, I like that. I like that. So I'll give you what they what they averaged last year uh, defensively because they were look they were they were not as good defensively, but they were still good. Okay, so the Eagles last season allowed twenty point two. All right, which I believe it was tied for seventh. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, tied for eighth. Okay, okay. Uh, or, no, it is seventh actually. I'm sorry with the Commanders. Uh, so they, 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 but that's it's really close. I mean, the teams that the, the you know the Jets and the Cowboys guy gave up twenty point one. And then it was the Eagles at 20.2. Um, I think it's going to be more if I'm going to answer that one. I think it's going to be more. I think we're looking at that, that jumping about two points at least somewhere around there, maybe three points. I, I think that the offenses they're playing are better. As I said all along, I don't think they're going to start off as strong as they're going to be later mm-hmm. because of the new faces. As good as I think Jalen Carter is and you know Nolan Smith and all that, it's going to take these guys. They're rookies. They're going to make mistakes that they're going to learn from. Um, yeah, I think they're going to give up more points per game. I feel pretty strongly about that. I hope I'm wrong. 
but no, I think it's going to be more. I, I'm on the same page with you. I think the when you have the influx of personnel, you're talking seven new starters. Um, right now, I don't see them being better in terms of defending the middle of the field um, in a lot of ways. Um, you're playing better offenses, better offensive coordinators. Um, and I do think they're going to give up more points. But because of the firepower that they have on their offense, they have the capability of matching anybody they face point for point, you know, and then some, especially when you're home and you got that 12th man, the crowd backing you up as well. That's a huge factor. But I do think you may go up to 23, 24 points a game they give up this this season, and especially early on until that defense settles in and you have you know exactly what you're looking at. And Sean Desai, Matt Patricia know who they want to count on in certain situations pertaining to down and distance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a little higher, but that, that's okay because when you look at the better teams in the league, a lot of them, even in the heyday of New England, they, they weren't always a shutdown defense. You know, there were times when they gave up more points, but because they had that dude named Tom Brady and that offensive flow, they could outscore anybody in the league when they had to. You know, and when you have a quarterback like a Tom Brady or Jalen Hurts, as he showed last year, and you have two minutes left on the clock, who else would you want to have the ball in the hand? Yeah, I, I agreed. You know, I agree. You're right. Greatness can make up for a lot of different things oh uh, on either side of the ball, right? And and you could have the best game plan in the world as a defense, and if it's Patrick Mahomes, it isn't going to matter. You could do everything right on defense. How many times have we seen somebody covered like a blanket and, and, and a guy like Mahomes or Brady or somebody else drops a dime in there? There's nothing yep. you can do sometimes. Can't and be. I think – you know, Jalen Hurts is, is – is, you could have everybody covered, Hurts could take off. You could blitz Hurts, he gets around it, he buys himself a little bit of time, he throws a pass for, you know, for a big shot, whatever. I mean, all these things can happen for sure. And, again, let's, let's take a look at this thing. So the Eagles are facing – just to give you an idea of some of the firepower that they're going to be facing this year. Okay. Uh, Cousins, whatever you think about him, Kirk Cousins puts up points, okay, and he's got Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, Tua if healthy. Dak Prescott, who has their number, mm-hmm. Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, you know, whatever it looks like in San Francisco, probably Purdy, but whatever it looks like there. Uh, Geno Smith, who had a real bounce back year last year. Yep. Um, you know, so they're, they're facing some, you know, some pretty good firepower, certainly better than it was last year. Um, and that's to be expected. You win a lot, then all of a sudden your schedule gets that much tougher. Um, but if I'm Jalen Hurts and I have to scramble to buy time and I'm looking downfield, I have a thousand yard receiver trying to free himself over here, another thousand yard receiver over here, one of the top three to four tight ends in the game scrambling as well, and the running backs coming out of a backfield like Gainwell and, and DeAndre Swift, I feel pretty good about my chances of having a successful ratio more so than an incompletion. Yeah. You know, this offense is loaded, you know, with options. And, you know, that's why I say, Jalen Hurts, at 24 years old, finished number two in the MVP voting. That shows you the kind of respect he already commands. Right. He's coming back his yep. third year as a starter, and number t- in his second year in an offense that just exploded on the scene. Mm-hmm. Now you've added to that firepower with two different, two more running backs, two different style running backs. You've got a quartet of running backs that are of all di- all different styles. You have arguably the best offensive line in the game you know, protecting you and opening holes for your running backs. What else could you ask for? There are not many teams are that that are that complete offensively in the National Football League. This team has everything. They're going to have to win some shootouts, no question about it. Yeah. They're going to be involved in some shootouts. Can they win more of them than they lose based on defense? 
don't know. Remains to be seen. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get a timeout. Let's keep the uh, the offensive discussion rolling. Uh, we will do that. We're going to look at storylines, whether that's Hurts improvement, whether that's you know the running game by committee. Can AJ and Devontae get better? Quez having a good camp thus far. Who else emerges? Uh, we heard about uh, Nagata playing very well. Goddard staying healthy. Right guard spot. Brian Johnson putting a stamp on things. We'll get into all that when we come back. You don't want to go anywhere. We keep the football rolling. He's D Gun. I am Rob Ellis. On this Tuesday, let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, Bravo Pizza. Thrilled that they are a part of the show and the channel as well. I've been going there since 1985, and they've been family owned since that time as well. They have just an unbelievable crew with Alex and all of the folks working there. They do an amazing job. Fresh food every single day. Twenty different styles of pizza. Slices to go. I love the upside down personally, but they have the you name it, they'll make it specialized pizza however you want it. And they don't just do pizza. The, the, the great variety there. They have fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. They're also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call, 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. 
Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Back on this Tuesday. All right, welcome. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea what that was. Um, I, tried, I tried to work it into the song. I, it was bad. It was bad. Yes, I'll admit that. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Derek Gunn, <laughs> Rob Ellis with you, <laughs> Sports Take. Hey, uh, if you want to keep telling us what you do every day, I love it. Brendan, who's a, who's a uh, good uh, viewer of the show, we appreciate Brendan just uh, checking in. Walk my dog. Wow, runs five to six miles in the morning and See? positive mindset. Amen. See? See, Amen, the, cool. the, the, the operative word in your vocabulary needs to be therapeutic. You need something therapeutic in your life other than eating dried Cheerios and working seven days a week. You do. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, life, I, I, life will drive you crazy enough as it is. I, I promise to, uh, to start incorporating some things and I'll keep you posted. And I'll tell you what works for me and what doesn't work for me. I, we can help people here, hopefully. Yeah, that's good. We need to, uh, we need to bring, bring Maggie into this because I don't trust you telling us the truth. No, I okay. That's uh, all right. Well, I will. Uh, if I if I'm woodworking, uh, my buddy woodworks. Woodworking. So Bob yep. Sean said woodworking. My buddy loves it. He started doing it like uh, my buddy Cal, who checks in. He's, he lives in Ireland now. He started doing it a couple years ago, uh, yeah. and he loves it. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. I like it, folks. Yeah, you want to keep even it going. Like, even painting, you know, like, you know, your, your, room, your wife's been griping at you to paint a certain room or, you know, whether it's trimming woodwork or something yep. like that. That's therapeutic. I'm pretty good. I am a decent painter. I don't have a lot of skills, but it's one thing to painted the kids' rooms and, and, and a bunch of other stuff around the house over the years. All right. So uh, offensive storylines, offensive storylines here uh, for the Eagles. We just kind of covered the, the first one, you know, how much can Hurts get better, et cetera. Um, I want to hit you with this one, Derek, because I think we all feel pretty good, although there is the injury thing out there, but they're really going to work the committee thing here at running back. Um, mm -hmm. is this kind of where we're trending in the league? You think getting away from the bell cow and what are the keys to making this thing work with this group? Because you have very different skill set, great skill sets, but different with Deandre Swift and, uh, I mean, Rashad Penny, certainly your top two guys. One's a power guy with Penny who's been over the years. I think he's a five, five, seven, uh, yards per carry average, yeah. which is excellent. Yeah. And then you have Deandre Swift who, you know, can break one. We saw it against the Eagles in the opener. He, he can break off big ones and he can certainly catch the ball. So wh what are you thinking here in terms of the committee? Well, more and more teams have, have, have started to, to do this for years now, uh, trying to give defenses a change of pace, different looks. I mean, when you look across the board, last year you had two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14. You had 15, one, 16 1,000-yard rushers in the NFL. But the 1,000-yard rushers like a Tony Pollard ran for 1,007 yards on 193 carries. You know, Najee Harris of Pittsburgh 
had 1,034 yards, 272. Um, uh, uh, Tyler Allegier for Atlanta had 1,035 and 210. He's a good player. He's going to get pushed to the back burner, Derek, with Bijan being there. He's a good yeah. player. I, I think the days that we see, uh, you know, Josh Jacob with 340, Derek Henry, 349, Nick Chubb, 302. You know, th- those days, are, oh, even when Nick Chubb was, is the dominant runner, he still had Kareem Hunt as a change of pace for a number of years yep. you know i think it's imperative if, if what we hear is true and what we see it, it, the moniker that hey good running backs in the national football league are a dime a dozen where there are a number of teams out there that are showing that if you can have two three running backs kansas city is a prime example of that they don't care about a thousand yard rusher they t- they care about having a strategic type of running back for a certain play or certain series of plays. Right. And I think you've started to see that, you know, Green Bay, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, you know, you got a, you got a battering ram between the tackles and you got a home run hit. That's a good example. That's yeah. a good example. Yeah. And you're seeing that across the board, even Buffalo teams like Buffalo, New England has been known for that for years of having different types of running backs, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, and even in their heyday. Um, and and I, it, it bodes well for the running back in terms of, of less wear and tear on their bodies, but as we're finding out, because it's put out there, they're good running backs are a dime a dozen, it is costing them financially. But the better teams across the board, I mean, there are very few teams like the Eagles that can go four deep. Usually if you can go three deep in the backfield, it's pretty good. We slowly saw the emergence of Tony Pollard in Dallas and the decline of Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas, but they were a great one-two punch. They complemented each other very well. So dual, at least the minimum of dual running backs has become more prevalent in the National Football League over the last decade. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it, it, that is the way it's trending. And frankly, it's cheaper. You know, it, it's cheaper when you have multiple guys who aren't maybe going to have insane numbers. It's a way to also keep those guys in place. Like, I think we sort of automatically assume that these guys are just going to move on after this year. I don't know that. I mean, they could bring them back and then cost them a little bit more, but they could both be back. You know what? The other part of it too is, and I don't know that that these guys, either one of them are thinking this way, Derek, but this may help elongate both of their careers. You know, Rashad Penny and and Swift have both missed a lot of time. Maybe if they're not features, this will get by them a couple extra years of frankly getting paid in the NFL. You don't know that. You hope so. You you hope so for their sake. But here's what's going to happen: if they both have good years here, wherever they go after this, because we know the Eagles are not going to pay a top dollar to keep a running back, then they're going to go back into that that pit again of being used, overused to a certain degree. See, very few backs are the size of a Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry can sustain it a little bit better than a Josh Jacob and those guys because he's such a bigger body. That right. man's like almost 250 pounds. You know, whereas a Josh Jacob might be 215, 220. He's a battering ram now. But as we've seen with an Ezekiel Elliott, you know, a 220 back nowadays, you carry the ball 300 times. All of a sudden, by your sixth, seventh year, you're cooked. It takes you a little bit longer to, re- to, to, to recover from injuries. You're not getting as many touches, and all of a sudden, you're phased out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your yards per carry goes down. Now, I, I, I apologize. I didn't see who asked it because it's already gone off of my screen. But uh, the question was, who do you guys think has more pressure on them this year, Mike McCarthy or Nick Sirianni? All right, uh, so for starters, both have pressure on them. I mean, Sirianni's yeah. coming yeah. off the Super Bowl. Uh, there's high expectations. They're considered the number two team odds-wise behind the Chiefs, number one team in the NFC. There's there's certainly a lot of pressure on Sirianni. Here's why I say there might be a little bit more on McCarthy, because 
Jerry Jones gave him exactly what he wanted. He's now calling the place. He's, he's, there's no more buffer where you can blame Kellen Moore or whatever. Like if this offense either doesn't look good or there's boneheaded stuff late in games, which has been his MO, it all falls on him. And it's yet another year where the Cowboys wouldn't advance far. And Jerry gets another year older and a little bit more impatient. I would, it, weirdly enough, I, I might go McCarthy in this one. I, I think both are under pretty decent pressure, though. I think it's hands down McCarthy more so than Nick Sirianni. At least Nick Sirianni has, has taken this team to a Super Bowl in, in, a, in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. If Nick Sirianni only won 10, 11 games this year, and, and, and even if he finished second in the division, I don't think his job's in jeopardy this year because Howie, they will sit behind closed doors and they'll try to find a way to retool and make the thing better. Mike McCarthy has had talent down in Dallas. Look at his playoff record. They can't get past the first round. They're inconsistent. Um, And when he's called the plays, they've made boneheaded mistakes in crucial situations. I think the fan base in Dallas uh, is basically at wit's end with Mike McCarthy. Now they're in pins and needles because he's going to be calling the plays, especially after watching some of the things he allowed to happen in recent past years. I think it's not even close that Mike McCarthy is under much more pressure than Nick Sirianni at this stage. And, and let's face it, as I just mentioned, why? I mean, they were a high-scoring team too last year. It's not like this offense didn't score a lot of points. Right. You go out, you get Brandon Cooks. Uh, you know, to to an already, you know, deep receiving core with CeeDee yep. Lamb. So yeah, he's got a lot of pressure on him for sure. And that's the big thing. You know, when you take when you're, it's like basically, all right, man, here, it's all you. You got it. You're going to get all the glory or all the all the all the heat. And he's that's kind of where he's at right now. All right, back to the uh, to the Eagles question. So let's go receiver. How much better, in your estimation, can AJ Brown and Devontae Smith get? Let's start with the two big boys. Jeez. Um, in terms of of, of route running, uh, uh, catch radius ability, I don't think you can get much better. You know, and see here here again, it falls into the category of what do they think they need to get better at? On a, from from our eye view, they're at the be- they're at their best right now. You have two 1,000-yard receivers in the same offense. What more can you expect of them? You know what they're capable of doing. Um, are they going to be better? Are we going to measure better by in terms of did they improve their catch numbers? Did they improve their yard numbers? No, that's not fair because they're already at the top of their games, even at this – and I think they're both young players, 25, 24 years old. I don't know – to be honest, I don't know how much better they can be. I mean – A.J. Brown only had 88 catches. And when we say it's funny, you say only 88. When you look at some of the top receivers in the game, 95, 105, you look at Devontae Adams, 123, Cooper Cup, you know, well over 100 catches in 1,000 yards. How much better can you expect an A.J. to be with 88 catches? Devontae Smith continues to get better every year. Look from his rookie year to last year, how much he improved. You know, I don't think it it, it can be determined in terms of volume of numbers. Is can they make it, maintain that consistency? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's what it boils down to. And I have no questions based on what we, what we watched over a twenty game sample last year that these two players are going to be in the top twelve, top fifteen at, at, at their positions in the National Football League because of the structure of their offense and because of the ability they've already shown. Yeah, and think about this too. What just specifically this year. You have A.J. Brown, you have Devontae Smith, you have Dallas Goddard. You, you likely have DeAndre uh, Swift catching balls out of the backfield. 
you may not have the insane volume of catches that, yeah. that like, let's just say some team just has one great receiver and you're going to just work him. You're just going to keep yeah. throwing it to him all the time. Numbers can be misleading. Yes. You're right. I, I, you could see Dev- AJ have a much better year and be down four catches, five catches. Absolutely. And is that yards per catch go down a yard or two or whatever? That doesn't mean he's having a worse year. It doesn't. Uh, I, lo- I, I do think Devontae will have a couple more catches and his yards per catch will go up a little bit. I do believe that with him. Um, where you may, might see him get a little bit more is maybe a couple more touchdowns than he had last year. Uh, I think both players will improve, but you may not be able to tell it through numbers. Okay? I really believe that. But let's stay on that for a minute, Derek. Um, there's only one number that matters to me for Dallas Goddard. 17. I want him to play 17 games. I don't want to see 12 games again or 13 games. I don't want to see him miss four or five games like he generally has. I'm not faulting him. It's just the way it's gone, but he needs to stay on the field. If he wants to be considered in the, in the Kelsey Kittle elite, you know, elite elite category. Well, even Kittle has missed games because of he's such a physical player and Kelsey. uh, I mean, mean, Goddard is such a physical player. You know, you put your body on the line like that in, in the blocking game, as well as the pass catching game, you know, you keep the legs churning, you're taking extra hits. If they can keep Goddard healthy for a full 17 games, that means other people's numbers are going to come down because his numbers are going to have to increase because he's such an integral part of that offense, especially if, if, if the offensive coordinator identifies we have a, a severe advantage with our tight end lineup on this outside linebacker with this safety, this uh, slot corner, whoever the case may be. He could he could be in a – this is going to be games when he might have – he might be the leader in total catches and total yards. Mm-hmm. which means A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith's numbers could come down a little bit. doesn't mean it got work. It, it, it got worse. It just shows you how diversified this offense can be. Yeah. How many pass catches are Devontae Smith, uh, Penny, Gainwell going to get out of the backfield? Even Boston Scott, if he's in the game. You know, those the number balance is going to be – it's, it's going to balance out a little bit more. Yep. If you have four guys catching 75 passes and you're still one of the top passing offenses in the National Football League – does that mean that your primary players got worse? No. Right. It means you were able to spread the wealth that much better. Exactly. And I know a lot of people in the chat, uh, Steve, uh, among them, and you guys are right. Tyler, you're, you're right. You know, Kenny Gainwell is going to get his touches too. Yes. Um, so it, it, that's okay. Like, this is a good thing. You know, when you have options like this and you have guys getting their touches and getting theirs, it, it may come at the cost of the individual numbers, but who cares? Who cares as long as you're winning football games? Like, I don't think here's the, the good thing, honestly. Like, I, I don't see Jalen or or the I don't know the running backs that well yet, but I don't think either one of those guys are going to care if there's there, there's a game where he's maybe not getting a ton of touches or whatever. Like, I, I think these guys are just all about winning. And I and I do believe that, especially when you got as close as you got last year with the players who were still here. Um, all right, regards to Kelsey and Lane. You know the two two older guys on the offensive line. Can they maintain their high level of play? And when we say high, Derek, we're talking about the elite of their position in terms of the best center in the game. You could absolutely argue Kelsey and the best guard, uh, best tackle either side of the ball, either side of the the line. Excuse me, in Lane Johnson. So, in your estimation, are they going to be able to maintain that high level of play? Those two older guys. Absolutely. Because, see, the more you play the game, the more you develop a so-called cheat sheet. What You may lose a step here or there. You learn in little tactics on how to get the advantage 
of, of the guy lining up across from you. You know, I, I don't see any tailing off whatsoever in Lane Johnson. Uh, and, and, and there's a pride factor involved. You're talking about two guys that take pride in the fact that they are considered the best among the best. I think Jason Kelsey is honest enough with himself that if he felt that he couldn't do it again, he would not be here, to be honest with you. <clears throat> yep. It's not about a dollar for either one of those guys. It's about the camaraderie. It's about the competitive nature of what they do. Plain and simple. And because they both feel they can still play at a high level is the reason why they continue to do this. And and I, I and they will be in discussion all season long about being the best of the best because they have mastered the art of every technique you can think of to gain the advantage against an opponent. Yeah, I agree. Look, I I don't obviously you can't contend or, or account for injuries, right? But be, if if you're just talking about two guys who stay healthy, I, I don't have any doubt they're going to play at an extremely high level. Um, all right, right guard spot. By all accounts, it's been Jurgens. You know, job to lose. He's been out there every single time. He's done a nice job so far. Uh, it feels like unless he really starts to slip here, this isn't going to be much of a competition that they want him to win this job. And I, I don't think that's going to change. I think they they would prefer Steen learns this year. Maybe does that cross training, Derek, that Stoutland does with them, where he, he gets the tackle and the guard spot down. Let him get a little bit of time to learn. If Kelsey retires next year, Jurgens goes back to center, and boom, Steen's ready to roll. I think they would prefer that Jurgens wins the job this year though that's one of the headline stories that we'll be watching you know i thought it was so i thought it was so telling when nick sirianni said jurgens is our starting right guard today mm-hmm. you know as of now today yep. you know it's an it's an ongoing developing story um and, and you have to wait until you see the real game before you make a determination you know who knows you know maybe maybe it doesn't hold up I and mean, they're gonna find out they're gonna find out a lot of things against the two opponents that they face mm-hmm. um in the control scrimmages in the preseason I would imagine Jurgens is going to get X amount of reps. I don't think the, the starters will get a, rep, a lot of reps, but I do think Jurgens needs to get those reps to get more comfortable in what they're going to ask him to do at that position. Not a lot of reps in the preseason. You don't want your frontline guys out there. Uh, but I think they're going to do everything within their power to give him those reps to make him as comfortable as possible. You look at your options beyond him, it's uh, a Jack Driscoll. It's, it could be Dennis Kelly. Uh, it could be Tyler Steen, you know, mm-hmm. all three are bigger bodies. Um, but the luxury anybody who steps in that spot has is that you're playing with two pro bowlers and two future Hall of Famers on either side of you. Yeah. yeah. So I think right now, as we see it, and it's going to be a day to day developing story that has to be closely watched. Rightfully so. Sirianni worded it perfectly. He's not my starting center for the entire season. He's my, st- I mean, my, st- my starting right, right guard right. the entire season. Now. He's my starter right now. Yep, yep, well said. And that and that keeps everybody on notice. Like nothing's a given. Absolutely. All right, uh, I, I meant to bring this up with you with Goddard, but let, let, let me just swing back to this real quick. Uh, the the backup tight end position. It, it's funny. We, we talked to a bunch of different people about this, Derek, o- over the summer, you know, leading into this. And we've gotten a couple different answers from people. Um, yep. I think it was – I'm trying to remember – the, the maybe it was Sal or somebody else, I forget. And, and we, Sal Palantonio, who we had on. And I said, Who do you think the number two is going to be? And he, he thinks it's Dan Arnold. Now, there are other people that'll tell you it's stole. That's what I said. Yeah. And other people will say Calcaterra because he's got, he's that threat down the field. You know, I, I think this thing's up, up and up for grabs. I mean, stole, you know what you're getting. He's going to block, he's going to be solid. You know, he's not going to do a ton after yards after catch or any of that. He's not going to get down the field much. 
but he's going to block. Arnold is a big boy. Okay. He's a big body, a guy who's been around, certainly has the experience factor over everybody there. And Calcaterra is the most athletic of the group. And there's still Tyree Jackson, by the way, who's still there. But let me just remind everybody, Arnold's 6'6", 240. That, that's, a, that's a large dude, uh, you know, as, as potential target. So what are, you, what are you thinking here? You thinking Arnold? I've said Arnold since, since May, and, and I'm going to stick with that. But here's the interesting thing, Rob. When you look at him in his seven-year career, he only has 95 catches in seven years. He only has 1,258 yards in seven years. He only has seven touchdowns. He hasn't had a touchdown catch since 2020. His last season, he's gone over in terms. But he only played three games with the, with the Carolina in 2021, and then he got he went to Jacksonville. Um, he only had he played eight games, so he played 11 games that year for a grand total of 35 catches. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's more of an accomplished blocker than than a pass catcher. Now, I will add this caveat. If Calcaterra can improve his blocking tremendously, I think he will leap he will leapfrog into that number 2 category. Mm-hmm. He has to improve in his blocking category. He can stretch the field, he can get downfield. He can get away from coverage, no question about that. Stoll is more of a possession receiver and a better blocker. I like Arnold just because of his seven years of experience in the National Football League, or six years of experience in the National Football League. Um, but I think Cal, Calcaterra, to me, is the X factor in terms of being a complete tight end if he can improve significantly in the blocking area. Interesting little note. Uh, I'd always like to peruse this stuff and just see what the the guys who were there, the beat writers and all that kind of stuff, who were at, at camp today and at practice today. So Jeff McClain we've had on the show quite a bit uh, said that long at tweeted out long after the Eagles left the field and the fans departed, Jordan Davis walked back into an end zone at the Novacare complex and ran gassers with two younger players um, with, with, Oh, I'm sorry. With his two younger brothers, Donovan who's 12 and Yashi who's 10. And he was asked who won. Jordan said, they said they both Jordan, they both said in other words, but that's good. I mean, look, the kid's working. Right, I mean, he's out there busting it. He's doing gassers after practice. I like that. Um, yes, you got a two hundred, a uh, three hundred forty pound frame. You need to be in tip top shape. And if he's taking that upon himself to get out there and build up his endurance and his win, more power to him. Yeah, hopefully, people, the right people are getting in his ear. Hey, look, dude, you understand how much you're being counted on here? This is not just about four starters or five star. This is about a a a a, a rotation that there is no weak link across the board, and you are a definitive part of this rotation. So I like the fact that he's putting in the extra time, you know, uh, to see where he is. Um, hopefully, hopefully it bodes well for him. Um, I would imagine there's a comfort level also. When you look at the number of Georgia players on that defense now, there's got to be motivation with him. You know, these guys get together, hey, look, man, look at what we did at Georgia. You know, people always talk about players coming out of Alabama and what they do when they hit the pros. We got four of us that have been on a national championship team together. We know what it takes. Maybe they motivate each other. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's something we haven't even talked about that much, about how the Georgia players on this defense get in there and help motivate each other because they came from such a high-profile program. That's a good point. If that is the case, whatever gets Jordan Davis to that next level, to be a disruptive factor on that defense, I'm all for it. 
I, I said to you be, uh, when I was watching that that thing, like, how about them dogs or something? It's called them dogs on uh, ESPN. It was SEC Network. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was good. Um, but what I thought was interesting and, and an advantage, maybe two of the younger guys, this, this applies specifically to Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, not Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean. But those two know what it was like to repeat last year. They know what it was like to get all the way there the year before and then dial it up again to have to go back and, 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 you know, defend your title, you know, and, and maybe some of that helps at least from a mindset standpoint, maybe some of the rookies could pass something on to some of the veterans. I don't know. I mean, just a thought uh, it can't hurt, but when you come from winning programs, much is expected of you. And, and that's the great thing about going these routes with the, with the Georgia Alabama guys, you know, I mean, think about, think about the way that Jalen hurts and Devonte Smith were trained. Yep. at Alabama and now same thing with Georgia like these dudes are ready they have the mindset of winners and that's uh that's a big thing it is a very very big thing all right now, we'll come back not only as much expected of you but even more should be ex- expected of yourself because you know what it takes to be the best of the best yeah the big the big dilemma is how quickly can they make that transition to play at that high level consistently at this level because whereas when you when you can pad your stats against weak sisters in college football, that's not necessarily the case in the NFL because even a weak sister has a multitude of quality players on it. It yeah. just hasn't come together for them. And so it, it's a lot different in terms of maintaining that level of success at this level or achieving that level of success at this level. Yeah. No, listen, you're right. Um, you are absolutely right. I, it's uh... – yeah, well, the good thing is the, the the those two guys I just referenced can talk to Nicobe Dean, uh, you know, and can talk to Jordan Davis and and get a good handle on what it's like to be a pro. So I think that part of it helps that they're those guys are all that tight. And apparently, they are. They have these group texts that they do and all that other stuff. That's great. Um, all right, you uh, your call here, D Gun. You want to keep rolling with the football talk, or you want to talk a little baseball because we are now under under five hours until the trade deadline and the Phillies have not made a move yet. Where do you want to go next? I'm going to make, you are the the director of the train right now. Uh, let's, let's, let's get the baseball talk in there and we got plenty to talk about football. All right. So let's All get right. the baseball talk in there. And All if right. something happens in baseball, we'll get to it. You know. All right. So you want to, you were, where are we going next? Football? Yeah. Okay. Football. No, no, no. The baseball. Let's get the baseball. baseball. I got you. All right. So what we're doing today uh, in our greatest series is the Colts. There's some studs, okay? There are some beasts in this one, okay? These are heavyweights for the Colts. So we're going to do that. Uh, we'll get more into what Brian Johnson had to say. we got a lot of stuff in our NFL segment, uh, including some injury updates, which we'll pass along as well. We'll do all that. But when we come back, Phillies win last night. And what are they going to do here at the trade deadline? Because this could be the difference between sort of teetering and maybe pushing them over the top. So we'll do that when we get back. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to who to trust with your finances can be a very scary proposition, and I'm right there in the front of the line with you. But I can tell you from personal experience that I trust my finances, my hard-earned money with Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review. You might have a small business and you're trying to get your employee benefits off the ground. Jim can help you with all that and more. Look, if there's something you've been wondering about or something you're not quite clear on with what you are, you you have now, you can reach out to Jim and talk to him. 
and he can he can give you the information that you need and and so you can dive into this thing uh, having a better understanding of all of it. I know personally I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers to Jim and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751 or you could email him murray m u r r a y .jim at principal.com. That's murray Jim at principal.com. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go back. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Thank you, Mama. Mama, go. Oh, Mama. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. Dark Gun, Rob Ellis hanging out with you on this Tuesday. We appreciate you uh, hanging. Oh, let me give you the uh, Eagles schedule here um, and what they have coming up here, Derek, practice-wise. I know I, I give it to you. I try to give it to you every day so people uh, can remember here. Tomorrow, players are off. No scheduled media availability. Then Thursday, back at it. Nick Sirianni talks at, at 1040. They, or 940. They practice at 10. 
And then uh, Friday will be a practice as well. Michael Clay will be 940. And then Saturday's a walkthrough. And, of course, the, uh, the open practice is Sunday night at the link at 7 o'clock. Um, and then Monday they're off. That's, so that's what's coming up uh, over the course of next week. can't believe we're already at the open practice. You know, before you know it, I mean, the following week, right, is the first preseason game, I believe. It, uh, a week from this Friday? Oh, no, a week from this Saturday? What is it? No, it's, yeah, it's a week from this Saturday. Uh, this Saturday, okay. Yeah, so the, the first one is the 12th, right? Yes, well, that, that'll be a week, yeah. That's uh, a week from this Saturday, yep. Yeah, so this uh, that game's at Baltimore at 7 o'clock, and then the next two games are home August 17th and August 24th against Cleveland and Indianapolis. So there you go. That's okay. what we have uh, coming up. All right, so um, a couple of Phillies odds and ends that we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, they win last night 4-2 to two over the Marlins. It got off to a bad start, Derek. So they get down 2 nothing in the first inning. It looked like Taiwan Walker really didn't have much. And, and to his credit, he didn't really have much all night, but he just pitched smart. The other thing is, and, and this has uh, been a continued issue here, they, they had tons of opportunities early. The, the pitcher for the Marlins was awful. He had no control. No, he had nothing. No. Like they should have probably been up six, not six. It should have been six, two after two innings. He didn't last long. Excuse me. He didn't last long and they weren't able to take advantage of any kind of opportunities. Um, Edwin Cabrera. He went three innings, two hits, six walks, Derek, through three innings. Jeez. And they didn't, they didn't take advantage of it. They Jeez. finally, finally started chipping away. Yeah. They ended up going the Phillies two for 12 with runners in scoring position. The good thing is the Phillies pitched well. Uh, Walker, after that first inning, didn't give up a run. He goes six and two-thirds, six hits, um, 100 pitches, and then Strom came in, did his job. Hoffman came in, did his job, and Kimbrell got the close, uh, the save uh, on the uh, on the evening. You know, I, I'm – despite the win, it's a good win. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm still – I'm still leery here of what's happening. They, they just, the, at what point do the big boys start hitting? It, 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 here's, it, let me start out by saying this. And I, I just started thinking about this yesterday. We have been in panic mode when we talk about these Phillies for over a month now, but yet they are in second place in their division. And only four teams have more wins in the national league than them, you know, and they're eight games over 500. And I understand why, because the expectations were so much greater for, for what we expected of them. They brought back most of the nucleus from the team that fell two wins short of, of surprisingly enough, winning a World Series, let alone getting to the playoffs. Right. They were one of the top hitting teams in, in the majors last year. And it just hasn't happened, you know. And, and I've told you this a number of times this year. I don't trust this team. I don't get too high on this team. I don't get too low on this team because of what we've seen, even though their record is a favorable record. There are a lot of teams in baseball that would die to have the Phillies record. But this team to me has underachieved tremendously based on his pitching staff and the prowess at the plate. You have a lot of big money invested in your first four hitters. A lot of big money, you know, and they've not produced. Look at the strikeout ratio they've had. And I'm talking all of them. From Schwar well, we expect Schwarber to have close to 200 strikeouts in a season, no matter what. Mm -hmm. But when you start talking about Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Castellanos, even Real Muto, 
those are alarming. And, and, and it's, the strikeouts are bad. They're not even competitive strikeouts in a lot of ways. It's like I give up type strikeouts, you know, when you look at this team. And I don't know how and why it's become such an epidemic across the board. You're used to seeing one or two batters go through stuff like this at periodic times in a season. But this has been across the board, yeah. you know. This, this team should be a lot closer <clears throat> in the standings to the Atlanta Braves. They should be head and shoulders above everybody else in a wild card race. And they're not because of those inconsistencies. Yeah, I mean, you the you look at it. Trey Turner at 242 and a 296 on base percentage. Nick Castellanos at 123 in 16 games since the All-Star break. Kyle Schwarber, 182. JT Real Muto, 243. That is, that's the core, and they're all letting you down. You know, and Harper's been good, but he just doesn't have the power yet because of the injury. So you're you're missing his power, and the other guys are just letting you down in a yes. huge way. And it's it's left to Bryson Stodd and Alec Bohm and Marsh and, and, and the younger guys to, to pick up the pieces. But ultimately, that can't be the way that this continues. They, they've done it. They've done a nice job at it. You can't keep asking that. Because it's, it's just not going to work eventually if these guys don't start. And, and there's no updates on the trades, by the way. Nothing right now. There's no excuse for this team being number six in the league in batting average, number 10 in the league in home runs. Um, they're number – okay, number six in total bases. Um, strikeouts. Here's the problem. They're number two in the National League in strikeouts. Think about that. Yep. Think about the money you have invested in all these big-time hitters. They are second in the National League in strikeouts. They're right behind San Francisco. And San Francisco's the same team. You know, San Francisco, look at their, their record with the Phillies, winning record, right? But there's no – those are not the two teams you thought would be leading at the top of the league in strikeouts, is it? No. No, not at all. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's it's strikeouts, but it's also – and they just lack the clutch gene. You look at them with runners in scoring position, runners in scoring position with two outs. And other than, you know, Bohm and Stott, they're, they're terrible. Their big boys have really been bad. And Harper, right? Harper's been good too in those situations. But they're, the, the rest of those guys that we just talked about have all been bad in those kind of situations. I mean, Rob, they're number eight in on-base percentage out of 15 teams in the National League. Yeah. Number like, eight? If you told me when they signed Trey Turner that his on-base percentage on August first would be two ninety-six, I, I would I would have checked you for some you know some Aaron Rodgers uh, you know recreation some of that some of that uh, peyote yeah. yes uh, seriously I mean below three hundred for this guy um, I don't know it, it's it's hard to fathom you know why why it is the case why they have you're right why it hasn't been. What, over the course of 162, as you have pointed out, rightfully so, it's usually splintered. Guys are going to cool off and guys are going to heat up. It feels like all these guys collectively have been in a, in a funk, you know, really uh, for a lot, long stretches during the season. I don't, I don't understand why they haven't come out of it at this point. Somebody more consistently. Yeah. I'm, and I'm talking about the big money guys. I'm not talking about the bombs and the stats. Right. I'm talking about the big money guys. I don't understand this, why they haven't come out of this. Yeah. It just blows me away. Um, I'm looking at I'm looking at the team's base. Now, these are just base salaries for 2023. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bryce Harper's base salary is 26 million. Trey Turner's base is 27.2 million. Wheeler, 24.5. 
Real Muto, 23.8. Castellanos, 20. Schwarber, 20. Taiwan Walker, 18. Nola, 16. I mean, I mean seriously? Mm-hmm. You're paying these guys because they've been productive. Have they been as consistently productive as they should be? Absolutely not. Not even close. And, and, it's, and there's no reason for it. Again, I can't emphasize enough. Being around baseball for as long as I have. You always see whether it's a pitcher or a hitter. You see a guy here, there going a tailspin. This has been for the last three months yeah. for these guys. You know, some of us should give a rebate back to the organization. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck. Hey, good luck with that. Don't hold your breath, Derek. But yeah, no, I I hear you. All right, so here's the. Let me give you the standings. Uh, just as we go into play tonight and today, so they're. Um, the wild card looks like San Fran is is now the leader in the clubhouse, but they lost last night and they're not playing great either. They've 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 lost six of ten. No, uh, but they're in first. Phillies are a half game back of them, and then you have the Marlins, the Diamondbacks, and the Brewers all flat foot tied, all fifty seven and fifty. It's crazy. And then the Cubs are fifty three and fifty three. They they've lost two in a row because they were hot. They had won eight in a row and then lost two in a row. Um, so they've cooled off a little bit, but Cubs are still within shouting distance. So th- like we've talked about, this is really going to come down to the end. I think it's going to be a wire job here. And then if you look at the schedule for the Phillies after this Marlin series, and they still have three more to go, it's a four game set. You need to take advantage of this Kansas city for three back here, Washington for four here. Okay. Then the twins who aren't great here, at Toronto's, yeah, it's tough. That's tough. But then it's it's Washington again for three. Then it starts to get more challenging. You get San Francisco. St. Louis hasn't been good. But then you get the Angels who are still fighting. Brewers who are still fighting. San Diego who's making moves. Uh, they got just got Rich Hill who pitched against the Phillies on Sunday and, and G-Man Choi, the first baseman for the Pirates. Um, and then it's Atlanta. You know, like it gets a lot harder. So this is a this is a favorable stretch here for them to try and make some, make some hay here. And how comfortable are you? There's no question they should dominate. How comfortable are you that this is a stretch where they're going to start pulling away? For the I'm not. I'm, I, here's, I'm not no, for, no. For, for a number of reasons, Derek. Like, um, I'll give you an example. Tonight's Ranger Suarez is pitching. You know, he was great in June and less than mediocre in July. What's yep. August going to look like? Yep. You know, every every other start for Nola seems to be bad. Um, so you can't really count on him. Yeah, Wheeler's pitched well, but you can, and so, so is Walker. They're up and down, and and really more than even the pitchers. I should start with the bats and everything you just laid out. We, like we keep waiting, like we keep saying these guys are too good not to turn it around. Yes, maybe it's just one of those years. If it is, you talk about a major disappointment. That would be a major disappointment if that was the case. And you know what? I agree with you a hundred percent. The numbers, the numbers we've just talked about tell all, you know, and, and I look at the pitching staff. We, we agree that they have one of the best staffs on paper in major league baseball. Granted, they've had a bunch of little injuries here and there, you yeah. know, Sir Anthony Alvarado, so on and so forth. You know, their ERA right now, fourth best um, in the national league uh, shutouts, with this pitching staff, they're dead last in the National League. You know they've only had two shutouts? I didn't realize that. In 106 games, only two shutouts? Man. 
I didn't know that. No. The Brewers have 12, the Cubs 10, Dodgers 10, Padres 10. And, you know, when we talk about teams like the Padres, the the Giants, and the Mets, they've underachieved also. But the Padres are creeping closer to 500. The Mets are creeping closer to 500. Even with the deletions of two of the big pitchers, they're creeping closer to 500. Those are teams that are only five or six games right now outside of the wild card pitcher. So as much as we – We've honed in on those who keep the, the, those four names that you mentioned. They keep jockeying for the three spots. Keep an eye on those on the outside looking in. You know, we think the Mets have gotten worse because they're getting rid of players more so than than adding players. They're still right there. The Padres have one, been one of the biggest underachievers in baseball with the talent they have on their roster. Yeah, I'm not writing the Padres. I like. I think the Mets are cooked, but I am. I'm with you. I'm not writing the Padres off for sure. I. I'm, I keep waiting for them, and maybe it's just false hope, but I do. I, I keep waiting for the Padres to get their act together. They're now, geez, they're still three games under 500. Uh, it's it's hard to believe with, with all that talent. Something's just wrong there with that team. Yeah, I, I don't get it. They're I, only I, five back in the last wild card. They're not dead for sure. So the Mets, the latest on the Mets, we know they've already moved Scherzer. They traded David Robertson. Yep. The latest is Verlander's going, um, and that's what we're hearing pretty heavy today. No word yet where. He's got a no trade. He controls that. His money's nuts uh, yeah, next yeah. year. Uh, you know, and, and again, but some of that, a lot of that, I would imagine the Mets are going to eat just to just to move on and try and get some prospects. See, the true baseball fans are getting nervous because over the last several days, we've seen the Dodgers make moves. We've seen the Marlins make moves. We've seen the Padres make moves. Phillies have been dormant. Yep. Yeah, quiet, though, doesn't mean nothing, but no, you're right. No, it doesn't. And, you know, Dombrowski's history it says that he is um, he's a guy who definitely will be aggressive. He, he if anything, what you would worry about more with him is what prospects are left after he gets done, because when, when he's been yeah. in other spots and it's worked, he's won it, I think, twice. Uh, he's made heavy moves and given up prospects. So I, I if I'm a Phillies fan, I would be very surprised if something doesn't happen between now and six o'clock. I'm telling you, and it may be an Adam Duvall. And, and a right-handed arm out of the bullpen that, that aren't going to overwhelm you. But I really don't think – Derek, I don't think you go over the luxury tax, pay all this money like you were just saying to, to these guys, and not try and go for it now where you can make a move or two that could help you you know, in your pursuit of winning the wild card. I really don't. I think he'll make a move. I don't. So, so if they don't make a definitive move, will tomorrow's show entail you blowing into a brown paper bag? Yes. Yes. Jeez. Yes, it will. I will uh, tune in folks. Yeah you'll, get, yeah. you'll get, you'll, you'll start getting the texts from me at like six Oh two. You'll oh, get start getting the angry texts from me. Uh, uh, that, that will happen. Yeah. Yes. We, we, you, we should see, we should reveal our text exchange. Although I don't know if we can reveal all of them, but some of them. Some no, we can't do that. We, right. we can't go that far. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying, uh, no, I think, I think they will make a move. I think Phillies fans will, like I said, look at it and be like, eh, and then you'll then you'll appreciate what it is as time goes on because I think he's going to be really good. Or I think that whoever he's going to get will really help them. I do. I truly believe that. I do. I honestly, I don't know if they can they can get another big bat because getting a big bat entails also taking on that salary. Unless you can get a team to agree to pay a portion of that salary, you're talking about taking on that salary as well. Yeah. And who are you moving out of the lineup? You're not moving real moves. You're not moving Castellanos. You're not. Mo- you're not moving any of your top five. You better not. You better not take Stott and Bohm out of the lineup. 
They're the reason you win in a lot of these games. Oh, l- yeah. Let me be clear. I, they're not moving anybody off the present uh, present day team, I don't think. And may- maybe a bench guy or something. But they're not moving anybody of consequence. This is going to be prospects, strictly prospects. I would expect the guy that they get is either going into a last year of a deal or is in the last year of a deal or maybe has one more yet left, like a, a, at max. Hey, don't, don't, don't rule out – now, when you talk about prospects, yeah. don't rule out the possibility – they may have to give up Cave or Pache. Don't yeah, Cave, I don't care. I, I don't care about Cave. I think, um, I think he adds some value to this team, though, as an alternate every four or five days. I do think he, he does get some big hits every now and then. Yeah, I mean, the problem is he's probably an odd man out if they if they make a move. What about Pache? I don't want to give Pache up, and I don't want to give Rojas up. Uh, I think it's going to be guys who are – like, it, you know, it could be a Mick Abel or a Griff McGarry who are their – you know, behind Painter are their two best pitching prospects, or at least thought to be. And then next year, you're back to where we, we've been talking about for years. Phillies have one of the worst minor league systems in terms of potential major league talent. Yeah. You know, I mean, I understand. And, and teams do it all the time. When you're this close, we see it happen in football also. When you think you're a player or two away, and you can – baseball's notorious for this. You know, player – look at look what Texas is doing. You know, yep. they're all in this year. Mm-hmm. They're all in. They know they've got to deal with Houston. And look at all the teams in the, in the AL East they got to deal with. Yes. You know, so they're all in. You know, the Phillies, they have everything to be all in. But what do they deem that they need more so than others to make the product better? Which means, what are you giving up? I think the biggest thing for them, they see the lack of power. They, they have to realize that Harper isn't all of a sudden going to flip a switch and become himself till next year, probably. And I think they also realize that they see it like you and I do. You know, when Alvarado's coming back, something's up with Sir Anthony. And Kimbrell, you're, you're just asking so much of this guy at this yep. stage of his career. So that's why I think you're going to see them get an outfielder with some pop and then a relief arm just to help. They need, you need somebody who can come in out of the bullpen in a high leverage situation, meaning – Seventh inning, eighth inning, one run game. Uh, there's a runner or two on who can step in there and get an out for you and not panic and not be a mess. They're going to do that, I think, and they're going to go out there and get themselves that 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 corner outfielder, preferably a righty because they're pretty lefty heavy. Yep, that's what I think is going to happen. I, Duvall is a great candidate because he's played very well in this division with the Braves uh, several times. He hasn't had a great year with the Red Sox. You're not, he's not going to cost you a ton. Um, he makes a lot of sense to me. The only issue is Boston is still in the wild card too. Like Boston's yes. only two and a half games back. Yep. So they wanted to detract and take anybody off their team. There you go. And if you are, if they feel they can give up Duval, what do they need? What do they think they need to get over the hump? Is it another yeah. hitter? Well, if you're going to make a deal with the Phillies, you, you, they want a hitter that can help them now, not next year, but now. Do the Phillies are the Phillies willing to give up somebody that's helping them now? Yeah, ah, I don't, I, I don't know. I know you're right. You're right. He's, look, this is why uh, Dombrowski in the in their in the front office get the big bucks, Derek. These kind of these kind of weighty decisions, man. Uh, so let's uh, let's get a timeout. And when we come back, uh, this could be fun. We'll dig a little bit more into some of the things that Brian Johnson had to say. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who was uh, returning punts at practice. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, We'll get into the worst owners in the NFL. 
based off of some of the craziness that's going on with Ursay. And today's greatest team is the Baltimore slash Indianapolis Colts. So we'll do all of that when we return. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Pro Action Restoration. Yeah. Uh, look, Pro Action Restoration is your your safety blanket, right? Yeah, they're they're to me, they're the padding if you're up there walking on that tightrope. Because when something bad happens and it's water, fire, smoke, mold damage, and it's just it's above your pay grade, they're there. They're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I went through it at my parents' house on a Saturday, and they got right out, fixed the problem. The crew was great. The price was right. Couldn't have been a better experience. Pro-action restoration, they are they are licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. They will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So, again, water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Hey, hope everybody's doing well out there. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. He is D-Gun. I am Rob Ellis. The, the crazy stuff that goes on when you when you work from home, Derek. So my son has <laughs> all of his all of his stuff. It, we 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 had it down the basement where my studio is here and we moved it yesterday up into like the dining room area just so right. it was you know out of here and easier to to transport so he's got he's got like a little u-haul right outside of the house and we're, we're as during that break i was like bringing boxes out throwing it in the u you all. <laughs> Wait a minute. He's a young, strong, strapping kid. Let him handle that stuff. I know. I'm just trying to help, man. So that's what you, you know what you're doing with a good dad does because I would do the same thing. Yeah. So I'll try yeah. to get it all, all in there. Anyway. Um, all right. So let's get it back to, to football. So hey, hey, all right. Before you before you get back to your agenda, I just saw this pop up. Well, it yeah. popped up an hour ago. I just saw it. Yeah. We didn't even we didn't even think about this. Okay. And I don't know if you have it on your list, but I'm looking at this uh uh tweet or X from Jeff McLean. Okay. About an hour ago, did you see this one about Hassan Reddick? Yes, oh, yes. Please uh, go ahead. That's a, it's a great point. Yep, go ahead. All you, right, you, you uh, yep. Jeff McLean put out there. Hassan Reddick was asked if he's underpaid. Hassan Reddick's answer: I ain't going to sit here. You all see it. You all know what's going on. I'm just worried about being the best version of myself and let everything else sort itself out. Then Jeff adds the uh, uh, the the, uh, the uh, underline. 
Linebacker entering second year of a three-year deal is 16th in the NFL in yearly average. 16th? Here's my guess, knowing the way Howie operates, Derek. I think they will restructure this thing, and I think he'll get more money. Exactly. I, I really do. I think it'll happen. I don't know if – I'm not telling you it happens today, tomorrow, whatever. Uh, but I think Hassan played that pretty smart. Like, he made it be known, like, dude, I know. I know I'm underpaid. But I'm going to try and do the, the best I can to get better. He's not – and he's there. He's not he, – you know, he's not, not doing waves. Not doing – no distraction. That stuff gets you rewarded. The honey gets you rewarded. You, yes. you know what I mean? So I, I – and you're right. That deal is one of the all-time great deals for the production they got last year out of him. It's crazy where he's at. See, he, he understands that there's a bigger agenda here. He does not – he's on a team that doesn't have guys that single themselves out, number one. Right. He doesn't want to be a distraction, number two. Um, and number three – I'm sure he understands and his agent understands Howie Roseman is pretty fair in terms of identifying productive players and rewarding them. Yeah. Yeah. And those things will take care of themselves. And you're right. I think it's going to be restructured. He's going to get more money up front um, and everybody will be happy. And, and, and let's face it, if he, if they restructure and he gets more money up front, that opens up that, that uh, cap a little bit more for the Eagles to do stuff next year. Big time. Yep, big time. And and that's the thing, you know, w- with a guy like that, I mean, I I have no doubt he'll he's going to have another big year cuz they've kind of figured him out, but he's yeah, he is very cheap. They they got a great deal out of it. It's a kudos to the Eagles. Um and he was dealing with a groin, so it's good to see him back out there. Um I think he was a little bit limited in what he was doing, but he's he it looks like he's getting closer to, to you know. See, see Tone says the deal was properly slated at the time he signed. How he will handle it accordingly. Now, when he signed the deal, his agent had to know what the numbers were for linebackers, especially, you know, rushers, pass rushers who were double-digit rushers. I mean, when he came here, he had already done it back-to-back season for two straight teams yep. in Arizona and Carolina. Yeah. So his agent, you know, whatever his agent did not get him, that's as much on the agent as it is anything else, you know, in terms of negotiating a better deal. It was yeah. a fair deal for the Eagles. When they well, I, you know, I wonder, too, did he take – I don't know. I'm, this is just me asking him, throwing it out there. Did he take a bit of a hometown discount to come back to, to Philly? I you bet know, he did. Oh, I bet he did. Yep. But after what yep. he did last year, hey, uh, look at me over here. And I'm not saying he's a look-at-me person, but look at what my pro- production did last year, you know. All right? Now, now, according to Tony, Eagles gave him thirty million up front of, on a three-year forty. Yeah, he got a nice up front. He did. Yeah. Okay, but has he outplayed that deal already compared to the other numbers in the National Football League? Yeah, probably. Great argument. But in fairness to the Eagles, it's been one year. Yeah, they they may look at it and say, if he look, he gives us another one of these kind of years this summer mm-hmm. before we go into you know as we're entering the last year of this, we want to extend him. And we want to pay him like the top edge rushers in the game. And he's you still know? in the prime of his career. Sure know? he is. So, yeah. you yeah. know, I, I don't worry about this one because two things are going to happen. Howie is going to let us know at his time that we're restructuring his deal to make it make it uh, more competitive in the market for outside rushers. Yeah. Or number two, he's going to play out this deal again begrudgingly and he'll be on his way. Well, it is, it is sort of crazy in this sense. Like I know now what, what his deal looks like, but, 
you know, he he performed great last year, but it was only the first year of this thing. Can we can we just let it breathe a little bit too? You know, to an extent. And, but it doesn't. it doesn't. Yeah, but 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 the rarity of what he's done. Yeah. Three consecutive years in double digits with three different teams. Right. That's that's not a common. That's not common. He's an exception to the rule. Now, kudos to the Eagles for signing him for what they signed him to. They gave him good money up front, $30 million? Mm-hmm. What? $30 million up front and $45 million deal? Yeah. Fair deal. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, all right, so it, that'll be one to keep your eye on if the, he keeps getting asked about it. I mean, a, in fairness, he didn't bring this up. They asked him. They did not. You're right. So, yeah, just, just, to, just to be clear. Um, so, a couple things. We Brian Johnson spoke a little bit earlier. And he talked about Hertz. And I know we do hear this kind of stuff. And sometimes it's like, okay, we get it. He's he's dialed in. But the thing that he that he talked about with, with Jalen was the fire's always burning. And he said he's uniquely driven for all the people that he's been around since he's either played or coached football in his life. You know, he's like one of one, as as people like to say. Yeah. That's got to make you feel so good as an Eagles fan that you have someone who is as unique as this guy. Like, I think for all the stuff we thought Wentz was going to be, is what Hurts is in terms of being the kind of competitor that you need that you have to have. Think about it. You almost have to be maniacal at that position. You know, one of the things that watching that quarterback documentary did for me, at least, Eric, was yeah. we just look at Patrick Mahomes and we say, "Oh, athletic freak. He can do whatever he wants. He can throw the ball behind yeah. his back." Blah blah. The work that dude puts in all week. And he works at, at, at using muscles to make those crazy no-look plays. With the trainer, with everything, you have to work your time. Think about the way that he worked, the way that Brady worked, the way that the great ones really put the work in. Just different. Well, when you talk about Mahomes, too, he also has that baseball pedigree. Yeah. So a lot of the work that he has put in also enhances the baseball pedigree in terms of throwing sidearm with more accuracy, more velocity and things like that. A lot of quarterbacks don't have that type of pedigree when they play the game. You know, Brian Johnson has the rare perspective that most offensive coordinators do not have with their franchise quarterbacks. He's known him since he was a kid. It's almost like having a second dad look over your shoulder. He's known what makes this kid tick from the time he was a little boy through college and now early on in his pro career. So he knows uh, what stokes um, a a Jalen Hurts. And he's 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 adding on to that. You know, I think it's a luxury for him. He doesn't have to be in Jalen's ear as much as maybe some OCs have to be in a quarterback's ear because Jalen has always been self-motivated based on what Jalen tells us and what Brian Johnson tells us. He's always been a self-motivated individual. And their discussions are more heart-to-heart type discussions more so than X's and O's. Now, it entails X's and O's, but it's more like family discussions more so than boss-employee discussions because yeah. of the relationship these two have. Yeah, and and you're right. That's a really good point. Like, it's hard enough doing this and getting prepared for a season when you have to babysit a guy or try to yeah. motivate a guy yeah. to, to, hey, man, you got to get in the film room or you got you to work on some of your throws. You don't have to deal with any of that kind of stuff. And you're right. That's a great advantage to have if you're Brian Johnson. But even by all accounts, understand that the quarterbacks don't get hit. They're in the red jersey, even though they're in pads, blah, blah, blah. Uh, apparently, Hertz has been really hot, like like on, dropping dimes. Like he threw one today, apparently 60, 65 yards in the air 
with Jalen Carter right in his grill and dropped it right into to AJ Brown for a touchdown. And he had a couple of those kind of really good throws. So, you know, good news. That's a good sign. Like he's come in playing extremely well. Uh, I saw the numbers today said he was 15 of 17. Yesterday he was 16 of 19. So yeah. he's in the zone right now with his guys. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them, uh, Jimmy Kemsky gives us little news and notes and he does a really good job with it. So he said that um, Eagles showed a lot of three safety fronts today. It was, it was Edmonds, Blankenship, and Kayvon Wallace. Um, so basically Edmonds is used as an undersized linebacker in that, in that setting. Okay. Sidney uh, Brown got some second team looks, uh, mostly third team though. Blankenship continues to play exclusively with the ones. Uh, uh, pretty active as far as Dallas Goddard went. Um, Tyree Jackson's had a good camp too. He's another guy we haven't talked about much. He's the tight end oh, converted man. quarterback. I know. Uh, listen, I, uh, all I can, all I can tell you is what they're, what they're throwing out there. Uh, he, he, uh, Ian book found him in the end zone. Uh, Tanner McKee found him, you know, et cetera. Uh, Milton Williams had a nice day. Uh, said he was very, very active. Uh, got a little taste of running back versus linebacker in terms of protections and one-on-ones. The highlight was the Kobe Dean rep against DeAndre Swift. Dean barreled through Swift with a physical rush. Uh, that's part of Dean's game, six sacks. The other thing is uh, we're hearing Nolan Smith incredibly quick off the snap. Like they, a couple times thinking he's offsides, but he wasn't. Like at that kind of quickness. So he's using that speed. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, you know, it is what it is. You, you got to take everything into account. Um, it, Mariota had another shaky day, uh, overthrow uh, through a ball where, yeah, he hasn't had a good camp so far for what it's worth. The one so. thing, the one thing that jumps out at me that you, out of all the topics you just mentioned is Blankenship getting exclusives with the one that tells me they're doing everything possible to settle him in in there. And he has to. It's a learning curve for him now. Mm-hmm. See, he, you know, he doesn't have the same group of guys back there that he had a year ago. So it's a learning curve with him. And he's earned that right at the shot at the number one spot. Can he hold it down? Uh, this guy's looking over his shoulder. He's going to be looking over his shoulders at the coaches, at potential replacement for him. But you have to. In terms of communications on the back end, knowing where you're supposed to be at all times, um, you know, getting comfortable with with audible signal calls, so on and so forth. You know, I'm glad to see that they're not just rotating guys in at the safety spot. You have to settle in your front guys, you know, especially when you have two new safeties playing with two new cornerbacks and a whole new collection of DNs, middle linebackers, and so forth. You have to have your nucleus get the bulk of the reps to get them ready now because it's such a big transition. We talk about it on the outside. The Eagles coaching staff knows what this defense achieved in terms of turnover ratio, interception, sacks. It's going to be hard-pressed to be equaled. Yeah. But we've got to try to get this unit as close to that level as possible. Mm-hmm. And you have to have your main guys get comfortable with each other. Seven new starters on a defense that accomplished what this team accomplished a year ago, that's a big turnover. Yeah. That's no a good point. Right. Yeah, good point. Uh, all right, you, you ready? I know you've been waiting for this. Okay, Uh-oh. I know you're you're excited for this. Now, I give Jimmy credit for this. All right, Jimmy Kemsky, Philly voice. So, uh, Ty, Ty Zentner is the guy competing with Aaron Sippos. Uh, all right. Want to hear how their punts went today? Yeah, let's, let's In terms go. terms of hang time. <laughs> Punt number one, Sippos. 
4.73. Zentzer, 4.53. Putt number two, Sippos, 4.93. Zentzer, 4.61. This isn't looking good so far. I've been trying to tell you this. You won't listen. I know. Putt number three. Now, keep in mind, Sippo shanked this, but still was 4.75. Zentzer, 4.69. Putt number four. Sippo's four. Oof. Zentzer, 4.76. Yes, here we come. For an average of 4.60 for Sippo's four. Uh, anyway, you, you get the impression. It seems like Sippo's had a better day. So I, I, told, I told you back in May, I was told from inside, that yeah. they like this young punter that they've gotten, but can he wow them enough to replace Sippos? Sippo has that veteran experience uh-huh. when it comes to angle kicks, so on and so forth at this level. That weighs heavily in terms of making the final decision in ter- uh, terms of who's going to be your punter. Right. You know, and, and I, I just keep saying, Rob, get ready. Just get ready because I think your punter's already been determined who's going to be the punter for this team this year, okay. which is going to drive you nuts. But at least I can honestly say, um, Rob, I try to tell you. Thank you, Derek. That doesn't now, help me. Now, you mentioned Sippo shanked one. And and, yeah. I, and when you said it, I'm like, okay, did he shank one when he was trying to kick it deep or was it a corner kick? You know, so that's a big difference. Yeah, it seems like he was trying to kick it deep. I don't think it was a coffin corner. I think you he just was hope too- You just hope he was trying to kick it deep so it goes against him. Yeah, he's kind of wishful thinking. You're right. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I'm just telling you. I know. I know. I'm preparing myself. All right. So your punt returners today, Derek. Here were the guys. No surprise here. Britton Covey. We know that. Okay. Crash Covey. Okay. Quez Watkins, Greg Ward, and uh, Alameda Zacchaeus. Okay. So Covey, we know has the, the you know that group has a lot of experience. Greg Ward does too. In fairness, uh, Quez clearly has the burners of that group and then there's Zacchaeus who frankly I don't know a lot about his return game I'll go back and look at some of his Atlanta numbers but it's those four I mean I think you kind of know what it is with Covey he is going to catch it and and he's he's not afraid he's not afraid um Quez the problem is yes he's got that game-breaking speed who could definitely take one to the house if it was just about a sprint but is he going to secure and is he going to be willing to, to bust it up the middle if that's what this calls for, rather than trying to bust everything outside, you know, that's the question with Wes. Covey is sure-handed. Greg Ward is sure-handed, but they're not going to dazzle you in the return game. They're straight ahead runners. Um, Quez Watkins, I think, um, I think Quez Watkins wants no parts of returning. The few times we've seen him return, he's running out of bounds. Now the other guy, don't know much about him in his return game. So that's a wait-and-see issue. Yeah. Um, Cubby, Cubby, I, I, I don't want to see back there because I think he's going to get hurt. You know, he can't avoid a, a big hit to save his life. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I, that, that was almost like cringeworthy sometimes last year. Early. It got better. It, it did get better in fairness. But when it comes to Greg Ward, I think Ward gets caught up in a numbers game where he won't make the 53 he'll be practice squad security blanket yeah so now it comes down to either covey and a new guy and and because uh the the new guy is a mystery um i don't know what to expect from him but 
you know, you look at all the teams around the league that have the definitive punt returners, and you're thinking, why haven't hasn't this team been able to secure one over the years? It's amazing. Yeah. We really haven't we haven't had anybody electric since the days of Deshaun Jackson. Now think about how far how how far back that's been. Yeah, it's been too long. I agree. Yeah. It, it, it feels like Philly's like producing starting pitching. You know, it kind of feels like that. Like, what is what has happened here for this long? All right, return game. Let me give you some return. Hey, hold numbers up. On. Uh, hold up. Um, I hate to tell you this, but because I love the look on your face when I tell you things like this, I must get this one in before you move on. We miss we miss tones uh, in our private chat. No, oh, sorry. John, the John, numbers. Yeah. Now John McMullen said the punter competition is fool's gold. The job belongs to Sippos. According to John, yeah, John yeah. McMullen and Birds 365. Yes, yeah. our, our own John. Okay. Yeah. No, well, look, I know. Listen, you've been saying it. John's saying it. I'm in denial. I, I am. I'm not being rational. I, I realize that's probably where it's going, but I can't. I can't do it to myself until it actually happens. That's where I'm at. Okay. I can't be objective when it comes to this. Uh, no, we're, we're just trying to prepare you because for yeah. as excited as you will be once yeah. we get to the regular season. We know that one dark cloud will kind of just punch you in the gut from nowhere that he's still on a roster. So we're trying to ease your 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 very small Debbie Downer moment when we mention the name Sippos. Because Public just service. mentioning yeah. the name, just yeah. mentioning the name just changes the look on your face. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for trying to brace me for the for the fall. Um so he didn't re- Zacchaeus didn't return any last year, Derek, the year before in, in the 21 season. Only three attempts, uh, 36 oh. yards. So, so it's a, yeah, not a ton, not real extensive. Uh, it feels like they're kind of grasping here a little to me. Well, see, you know what happens too. You've got to look at all options in case somebody gets hurt. In yeah. case you, you know, you know, I, I think I think Quez Watkins is last on that list when it comes to the return game. Right. If that, if that ball's in the air and coverage is converging on him, I'm holding my breath because you don't know what he's going to do. Some guys. Some guys are just not built to be returners, man. They hear footsteps and they lose focus on trying to secure the ball. And yeah. let's face it, sometimes securing the ball entails a fraction of a second. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I, I think at some point, like obviously you want somebody who can bust one, but look, the bottom line is you want someone who can also catch it and in, in, where you're not turning the ball over. You know, that that's also a uh, – He tells me Cubby's going to be your guy. <sighs> yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. Um, all right. So I, I thought we could have a little fun with this. We, we've, we've seen Jim say, I don't know what the heck the plan is there in, in the Colts with, when it comes to uh, Jonathan Taylor. And then they have the Zach Moss injury. They're thin at running back, but he has handled it extremely poorly publicly to say the least. Right. Um, so I thought, started thinking about the worst owners in, in the NFL. With Snyder out of there, does Ursay vault to number one? Um, I would say he'd be hard pressed um, not to be, but I think there's a couple of guys you could also put in that category. We don't hear a lot about them, but when you look at their history as owners of their their prospective teams, they could very easily be considered um, in that category of of the worst owners. I mean, you look at Stephen Ross down at the Dolphins. You look at Cal McNair of the Houston Texans. Look at how that franchise has embarrassed itself with the Deshaun Watson fiasco. They're, they're on their third head coach in three years. They fired two coaches after one year. Yeah. Um, they let DeAndre Hopkins go for an injury plague, David Johnson, and a second round pick. 
I mean, the list goes on and on and on with what has happened down to that franchise down in Houston. You, you look at what Stephen Ross has done since he's owned the Miami Dolphins. They've only been to the playoffs two times in the 14 years he's owned that, 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 that organization. Um, you look at what he did to former head coach Brian Flores down in Miami, and the players loved him. You know, um, Flores got caught up in an allegation. He quickly jettisoned Flores out of there instead of standing in the trenches with him until they figured the thing out. Ursay is the most visible worst owner in the NFL, but there's a number of candidates. Look at the Arizona owner. Well, Bidwell, yeah, Bidwell's horrible uh, and has been. I would say Haslam in Cleveland is really yep. bad. Yep. Uh, I would say I, I would say Ursay's number one after Snyder is out of there now. Uh, I'd say Mark Davis is not is a pretty disastrous owner. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, that whole thing didn't work with Gruden and Mayock and all that. Um, you know, the Bengals are winning, and to their credit, they draft it really well. Yes. But for years, they were known as the cheapest organization out there with the Browns Absolutely. in charge. Yeah. So they're, they're uh, right look there, Dean, too. Look, look at Dean Spanos of the Chargers. I mean, yeah. first of all, he ticked off a loyal fan base in San Diego. And I'm not saying it's his, his own fault. That San Diego Jack Murphy slash Qualcomm Stadium was a cesspool. It, it was so outdated, antiquated. Uh, they needed a new stadium, but the city of San Diego wouldn't buckle. And so he moved his team up the coast. But the results year in and year out have not changed. They've had the talent to do great things, but for whatever reason may be, they still can't get out of their own way. Yeah, You know, the dad, Alex Spanos, initially owned the team, and his son, Dean Spanos, hasn't fared much better with, with that team. You know, so the Chargers could also be included – now, Dan, we, we could say Daniel Snyder, but Daniel Snyder is no longer an owner in the National Football League. So we're, we're, we're excommunicating him, so to speak, because he's on the outside now looking in. Yeah, I, I, he's you can move on. I, I, look, I'll give you one other one, and it, it, it certainly – he's a business genius, okay? And he has won three Super Bowls, but does Jerry hurt more than he helps in Dallas? Yes. With his meddling? Yes, he's too visible of an owner. He speaks too many times before the coach, the head coach is allowed to speak, which in a lot of cases backs the head coach in the corner because you have to say exactly what the owner says to make sure you're unified. I think Jerry has too much of a hand in terms of drafting players, making decisions on the team. I think if he was more like a Jeffrey Lurie, hire the guy that you feel comfortable with and step back in the shadows. Jerry takes too much pride in being in the forefront instead of the shadows. And I think that's a severe detriment uh, to what the Cowboys have been trying to accomplish for the last 26 years, plain and simple. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. I think he, his ego can't get out of the way. You know, no. and to, to let no. the football people run the football operation. He just, he can't allow it. Again, does is he brilliant at business? Yes, No. nobody denies that. I mean, the guy makes money hand over fist, even in a league where they make crazy money, he gets crazy money on top of it. Yep. And, and in all of that, there's no doubt about that. All right, here's what we'll do. Uh, about this real quick though, before you go. Yeah. The Dallas Cowboys haven't been a relevant playoff team for 20 something years. And yet quarter the, century, quarter century. The, yep. At least. And yet the owner still keeps them at the forefront of the money-making machine in the national football league. Yeah. You cannot deny Jerry Jones is an incredible businessman, as you alluded to. You know, you look at what they did. Not only did they build a new practice facility, they built one with a state with a, with a twelve thousand seat stadium 
that's used for high school football game. More money coming in. The, the Cowboys logo is one of still one of the most visible logos in all the National Football League. And the owner, unfortunately, feels he has to be out there more so than the team itself. And I think that has really hurt that organization. Mm-hmm. The dude makes money. If he would only let the, his subordinates handle the football operations, much to my chagrin, the Cowboys probably would, would be a much better organization, much better run organization as a football team if Jerry would just – Step back and let everybody else run the team. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Um, they pulled off one of the all-time trades yep. uh, and that Herschel trade. But, yep. you know, Jimmy Johnson was was running the show. Jerry signed off on it and all that. But here, here's where there's, there's just some big-time pettiness, too, um, when it comes to Jimmy Johnson. I was going to talk about this later, but let's bring it up. So Jerry Jones was asked yesterday again about the Cowboys ring of honor. And – you know, what point are you putting Jimmy Johnson in there? I mean, think about this. Johnson's already in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Okay. He's in there. He's in the ultimate Hall of Fame. This is just the ring of honor for the Cowboys mm-hmm. themselves. Jerry basically ducked it and said, you know, there's so many coaches we have to consider from over the years. Like who? Jason Garrett? Really? Jay, uh, Dave Campo? Like Marcells, uh, who was there for five minutes? Like this is what we're, you know, we're what, like just swallow your pride induct the guy in and get it over with. Like, it's not that hard. Not only that, but they were buddies in college at Arkansas together. They played football together at Arkansas. They played football together at Arkansas. And you mean to tell me whatever pettiness is involved here, you can't put that pass and give that man his just due? Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Jimmy Johnson win him his – or was it – Switzer took over. It was all Jimmy's team, though. But Switzer did win the last one. Yep. So Jimmy won two. Switzer won one. So you can't put aside your pettiness and give this man his just due, a guy who was a close friend of yours at one point? Yeah. Whatever your differences is, you can't let, let that slide? Really? Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. I mean, look, I don't I could care less. Let them let it let the nonsense keep going on there, but it just tell that tells you a little something. Like that's like grow up stuff, but exactly. it ain't happening. Yeah, it ain't happening. All right, let's come back. Uh we'll roll the uh the, the greatest the Colts into the uh into our NFL segment coming up. Give you a bunch of injury updates. Uh, some, some strange stories around the league. Uh, we'll give you an update uh, on Demar Hamlin, who practiced yesterday for the first time, full full bore here. Some suspensions. We'll hit it all when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. Uh, they are experts trimming all types of trees. And they serve south, south <laughs> southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. You know, it's a good time to get your trees evaluated now because later in the summer, the winds, the heavy rains can tend to kick in. And you could have some branches come down, could take down a wire, could hit somebody, could damage your house. Good time to get your trees evaluated. All you need to do is give them a call. 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848. Or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com.
stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV, now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. the greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles all right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Back. What's up? Thanks for hanging with us. We do appreciate it. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. He's Derek. I'm Rob on this Tuesday. All right, very cool. So I was going to mention Damar Hamlin uh, about yesterday's practice where he got out there with the pads for the first time. But today he had an interception, Derek. He picked off uh, Matt Barkley. Yeah. Uh, picked off Matt Barkley in some drills earlier today, and uh, it was great. Great reaction from the from the people there and his teammates and everything else. You can just tell it meant a lot to him, man. It was pretty cool. It was like a crossing pattern. It looked like a miscommunication. He read it pretty well, and he picked it off, and and you know that was that was cool. But he mentioned uh, yesterday that you know he had kind of mixed emotion. He was being, being very honest, and I, and I mean, who wouldn't feel this way? He said it was exciting. At the same time. You know, it was a roller coaster of emotion. And he said at times he felt a little scared out there. And I think these this is the good thing for him with practice. And I think probably with preseason games, if they feel like he's up to it, to get that out of his system. Um, because, I mean, how can't you at least somewhere in the back of your head be thinking about everything that went down, and you know, to him last year? Yeah, um, th- that's hu- human nature setting in. Um, and who wouldn't? He, he's had... Um, Family members out there watching him. Right. I, I wonder twofolds. One thing, number one, how he feels knowing that he is constantly under the microscope every time he steps on the football field. That That's a mental battle in itself. You know, knowing that all eyes are on you and every time you make a move, every time you make a play, every time you make contact, everybody's crossing their fingers and holding their breath for a moment. And then from your perspective, all you want to do is focus on playing football and continue this tremendous comeback story that you have created, you know, because of what you've gone through and where you are today. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you don't just get over those things, you know, and, and, and I understand within himself, he's got to wonder if he takes another shot to the chest, you know, is he going to get up, mm-hmm. you know, um, he's not just battling for a roster spot and it's not guaranteed that he's going to make a roster spot on this team. They're very deep, you know, going in, going into this season, you know, Micah had his back joy and Jordan Poirier is healthy again. Yeah. And they brought in some other talent. It's not a guarantee that he's going to make this team. Right. Now he's a, he's a fan favorite to make this team. He's a teammate favorite to make this team. You know, the guys on that team appear to love this kid. But it doesn't necessarily mean, based on just overall talent, he's going to make this roster. So he's got all that swirling through his head at the age of 23, 24. Think about that for a moment. It's a lot. It is. What, and what, would, you, what would you be doing at this at this level? I, I know. I, listen, I, I to me, look, here, here's the way I view this whole thing. If the doctors tell me I'm okay, I, I, that's the first thing. First things first. If they tell me I'm okay physically – that's one thing. At least I can, I, I know that, that I, that I can be okay. Now we all have learned if, if you get caught in the wrong spot at the wrong time, it doesn't matter who you are, but they, they, at least if they give me that much, I have, I can put that at least in some degree, it's in the back of my mind. It's not out of your mind. Um, but the biggest part for me is going to be getting over that hurdle. Like if I still love the game, I still want to do it. And I know that I'll be second guessing myself the rest of my life. If I don't at least try it, I have to go out there and give it a shot. But I think that's what this time period is like. He may go out there, Derek, and go through some practices here and be like, you know what? There, there's bigger things for me. I'm going to go out there and just make people aware of what happened. I'm going to be a public speaker. I'm going to be a motivational speaker. There's more to it. Or he may, as time goes on, like what happens with a lot of things, you get back on the horse and, you, and you're okay if that's the case. I don't know where it goes. Like, And, and I, we're being real here for a second. It's a tricky spot for the Bills. Like if he's borderline, can you really cut him? Like it, it, it's a, you know, publicly, I know this is not how you should run a football team. I'm just saying emotionally and from a human standpoint, aren't you better off keeping him around for your players, for your fellow players, for your fan base? That would be a tough cut for me. Um, You make a valid point, but what's the bottom line? Securing the best 53 players that give you the best chance to succeed. If somebody else outplays him, then they deserve that spot. From the from the Buffalo Bills perspective, this is a PR situation. If they cut him, they're going to take a big PR hit because they've cut an emotion, and not just the Bills, not just the Bills fan uh, that will be irate. Football fans, human interest story fans that will be irate that you cut this kid. He came back, he gave it his all, but you're not seeing the bigger picture. He was outplayed by somebody else. And the Buffalo Bills secondary, from everything I've read, they're very deep and versatile with the people they brought in, the people who they brought back, and the people who they brought in. You know, so it's not that's why I said it's not a given. With him, if he ever found out, does he want to be on a team? Does he want to make a team just because of the emotional attachment the organization has to him? He has a, he has a battle that as well. I know, you know, and 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 I hate to say this, Rob. What if that kid goes down again? That's the thing. Like I here's he down again. First and foremost, for him that I that would it's just frightening, right? I mean, first and foremost, but even even I'm not going to say beyond him because that's that's the biggest thing. But from an organizational standpoint, how do you recover twice from that? 
I'm not sure they recovered last year. I'm not either, to be honest. Yeah. Like, how do you go on? I I don't know. I I really don't know. It's it's a tough – look, all of it's difficult, and it's uncharted waters. That's the thing. It's not like you – if you're Sean McDermott or you're Brandon Bean, there isn't a blueprint you really look at. There just isn't. We haven't had a guy go down and and die on the field and be revived. Like JM brings up Alex Smith, and that was – that was a scary situation too, but yes, it was. You know, this is even, this is deeper. This is even deeper than that. See, John Doe says Demar should have retired. He'll screw up the NFL for the rest of the players. Um, no. I can't take it that far, but I will say this: if he goes down again, and, and paramedics are rushed out on the practice field, you're talking about reviving him again. I guarantee you there's going to be players. That, look at how many players have looked at their careers differently since CTE has come to the forefront. Look at how many players have retired retired prematurely and they've all said the same thing about, across the board in different ways, but they've all said the same thing across the board. I want to make sure I have a better quality of life. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. What will players start thinking about themselves if this kid went down again? Okay? And I know you can't live your life in fear. And I, and I applaud this young man because he's not living his life in fear. He's not taking the sure way out or the safe way out, which is to retire and move on to some other arena. He wants to live that dream. He's been, he feels he's been given a second chance. God's given him a second chance to do it again. But if he goes down again and if it's something severe, other players are going to start looking at themselves, I guarantee you, and, and, and looking at themselves in the mirror and reevaluating their desire and their want to to play in a national football league. Yeah, I fair look. It's fair. It is. It, let me put it this way: it's very complicated. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, there's no easy answers here. It is. It's very complicated. Um, and and Dan says he's more worried about Tua. Dan, I am too. I am the same here. Uh, Dan, I, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say I'm more worried about Tua. I'm just as worried same. about Tua. I I cringe, Dan. I've talked about this on the show. I cringe every time he gets tackled. I do. I cringe every time he gets hit, every time he goes to the ground. I'm sitting there waiting, like, is he getting up? You know, that stuff last year to me, I'm not comparing it to Hamlin being on the field and, and you know, respirate. I'm, I'm not comparing it to that. But when he was down in that Thursday night game, like, I was sick to my stomach watching yeah. that, the hand yeah. in, that, in that claw position and all that kind of stuff. And he was just we, – we saw him the week before get rocked on a Sunday, and he's out there on a Thursday. Like, it's just totally – it's absurd to me. And, and, you know, again, I know he's cleared the protocols and all that, but that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. It's, it's, especially with the head. It's so worrisome. You know, the three, the three concussions in particular that we've talked about pertaining to Tua, you know, even though we didn't see the games, well, I saw one of them because one of them happened in the game where they were playing Green Bay. Um, You see how his head snapped off that turf. And all of a sudden, he's he's done. And you think about the concussions that he had, the severe concussions he had in a short amount of time, okay? Um, when you start talking about head traumas, and he may feel good when his career is done, he may feel good for the next 10, 12 years. Yep. But you think about how many players have talked about how four, five, seven, eight years um, after they played, all of a sudden they start feeling you know, memory loss, severe headaches. Sometimes because the human body, while the human body is so similar, yet we're all different in how we recover. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't affect players the same way. It doesn't. It you doesn't. Know, 
Troy Aikman talks about how he had 10, 11 concussions. He played 11 years in the National Football League. Now he's one of the more prominent broadcasters in the game, but he's still in his 50s. I'm sure he works out. What's he going to be like when he's in his 60s and 70s? We don't know. That remains. Yeah, look at Ron Jaworski. I, I'm not sure anybody had more concussions than him, and, and God bless him, and, and please, let's let's hope it keeps up. Jaws is at 70, whatever yep. he I think he's 70, is, is as sharp as, as they come. Yes. You know, and, you and know, that's awesome. Successful so, businessman, so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had him, we had him on the show. He, he was, he was spectacular with us. You know, he was awesome. You, you look at a warrior like Jim McMahon, you know, can't get out of his own way. Can't be left alone. Can't go places by himself. Yeah. You know, and, and he's in his, his sixties, early sixties, I believe, mm-hmm. which is still, still prime of your, your, your lifespan. Yeah. But yet you look at how he has to be assisted now. Yep. And there's so many players across the board. Names that we don't even know about, but we see sporadically, and we and I talked about one of them earlier this year. Um, you know, all of a sudden he, he he put his he blacks out, puts his fist through a wall, and when he comes out of it, his wife and kids are huddled up because they're so afraid. He has no idea how volatile he became. Yeah, it's tough. It is. You know. It is. It's it's unfortunately it's a part of a physical game. You know, and you just you just hate that part of it. Um, all right, so Alvin Kamara is meeting uh, with Roger Goodell. I think we're finally going to get at least some kind of clarification here, Derek, about what this is going to look like. We've been, you know, saying for how long is there any kind of suspension coming down? So I, I think we could be close to that, whatever it is. And from a Saint standpoint, if if it's going to happen, do it now so they can adjust on the fly. Don't do it as you know. Sometimes the NFL makes these decisions in season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. You know, let the Saints know that hey, know it's going to be two games or whatever. We can plan accordingly. If, if you know, I agree with you. That's a fair way to, to go, but especially because there's been so much distance behind this one. It's it was it was two Pro Bowls ago, so yeah. you know you should know yeah. at this point. All right, let me just throw this last I'm part. Looking at, I'm looking at big sales going. Yeah, back. He is is Billy Ray Smith who played for the for the Chargers and I think Dan did radio or he he was a Charger color guy for a while. Yep. Uh, out in out in San Diego, uh, has to have a GPS machine on him. Yeah, I mean that's they, scary. Those stories are they just break your heart. I mean, they just it just it just eats away at you when you hear that kind of stuff. Those stories are becoming more prominent now. You know, a lot of yeah. a lot of our, our past gladiators they like to stay private and keep stuff to themselves, and I put it out there uh, for the public, you know, uh, to judge. But there are a lot of players in those categories, man. You know, yeah, I agree. Uh, it starts with the memory loss and. You know, I, I know former players that talk about this. They experience a little me- memory loss now. You know, um, I, remember, I remember one one point Brian Westbrook was talking about that. Yep. Now, Brian Westbrook is still, you know, he's a successful businessman in that uh, that uh, what that uh, USFL league or whatever yep. it is. Yep. Um, and, you know, he's got small kids. You know, he's got two or three small kids. Brian Westbrook is still in what, in his 40s? Yeah. And he's already dealing with slight memory loss. Yeah. You know, yeah. what's he going to be like in his 60s? That's trouble. You know, yeah. And all these players will tell you, they will all tell you if they knew back when they were playing what they knew now, they will still play the game because of the love of the game and the passion of the game. They just love the game. Right. Which, 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 just think about that. If you knew the, the state of mind you could be in once your football career is over, you will still do it. Yeah, I know. It, it is. It's amazing. It is. It's amazing. Um, all right, a couple other odds and ends. It's a shame for this guy. Uh, not not along the head thing, but it's just injury wise. Tim Patrick, the receiver for the oh. uh, Broncos, has had a lot of bad luck. Uh, he tore his Achilles at practice the other day. He missed all of 2022 w- yeah. with a torn ACL. 
I like him a lot as a player. He's a bigger guy, tough guy, make a lot of plays. I, I really hope he can come back, but these are two tough ones back to back, you know, Achilles and a, and an ACL. They're, they're very real. That's a shame. That, that's just yeah. bad luck. You know, just some, some players just can't get out of their way from injuries, man. It's really, you're right. I think he's a nice receiver, a nice compliment to the group that they have. And unfortunately two years in a row now he's losing, he's, he's lost the season. Man. It, yeah. It's like, what else do I have to do? Yeah. I mean, you bust your butt to get back from an ACL and then that happened. It's tough. It's, it's hard not to think, you're, you know, like, damn, am I cursed here? Um, you know, so tough one. Uh, Ronald Jones, Cowboys running back, uh, yeah. gets two games for PEDs. Uh, yeah. So he'll miss the first two games of the season for the Cowboys. So a little depth issue there for them. Uh, yeah. You know, no more Zeke. And then he's out as well. So keep your eye on that. Oh, I, I, let me let me pair the, the uh, Tim Patrick thing with this. This is, again, a tough one, too, because he had a lot. He dealt with a lot of stuff last year. K.J. Hamler. Yeah. Uh, the receiver for the for the Broncos as well. Um, he's got what's called uh, peri pericarditis, which is inflammation of some heart tissue, and he's going to miss time. They don't know how long. They have to get him on the proper medication, and then he's got to get his body used to it. Um, and obviously, when you're talking about the heart, this is not something you mess around with. No, so you got to make sure you everything's everything's right here uh, with him. But he. He's going to miss some time too, so that's a serious, serious stuff. Yeah. And so now this dominant, this so-called dominant strength of the the Broncos' offense is standing out a little bit, you know. Yeah. But but luckily for Hamler, they catch this now instead of after taking a major hit on the field. Right. And we're looking at something similar to what we we went through last season. So yeah. You know, you know, praying for him. You know, praying for him, and if they get this right, you know. Yeah. No question. Uh, Terry McLaurin says he's got a real. He's calling it a nuanced connection with sam howell nuanced connection derek what what the heck is that you and i have a nuanced connection what what does that mean <laughs> i don't know what it means but i i think it's his way of saying i like this guy he, he went on he talked about how they did all these off-season workouts and he feels like there's a real chemistry with them and something that carried right on over into camp so far terry mclaurin is making a smart move if you're a big time pass catcher making big time money you want to make sure that the quarterback is your best friend in the yeah. offense. If I'm Terry McLaurin, I'm taking him out to dinner. I'm buying him a watch, whatever he wants to make sure that, Hey, remember me when the game starts now, remember I'm one of your main guys, not, not one of your second tier guys. I'm one of your main guys in this offense. Now. I, I, yeah. I don't blame Terry one bit. I spent as much time as I possibly could because let's face it. They're going to have to get on the same page, you know, like a lot of primetime quarterbacks do. You can look down the offensive line and look at your primary receiver. And all you got to do is look at him, and he knows where you're going with the ball, and you know where you're going to make that adjustment, you know. You, you spend as much time as you can, you know. I'm with you. I'm with you. It can never hurt. All right, so Nathaniel Hackett, Derek, uh, addressed the media, is addressing them go. as we speak. Here we go. Yes. So you remember everything that went down, Sean Payton ripping him, oh, yeah. perhaps the worst coaching job I've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. The Jets won the offseason. Good for them. All this other stuff. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers fired back at, at Peyton yesterday. Yep. So Hackett, I, I think this is a good approach. He said that um, he feels like Peyton violated the coach's code. Yeah. Uh, he was expecting this kind of stuff ahead of week five when they play. And he said, I'm almost thankful we got it out of the way. We understand the way certain feel, certain people feel and certain people think. Not bad. Yeah, not a bad way to handle well, it. it. It tells me that Sean Payton and Nathaniel Hackett are not going out and have brunch together. No, you know no, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but he took the high road. He didn't fire back, 
And let's face it, Nathaniel Hackett was in no position to take uh, to fire another a, a retaliation shot across the bow, considering what he went through last year. Because whether he sh- and, and I said yesterday the other day when we brought it up, you know there are unwritten rules in sports among players and coaching fraternity that you just don't cross certain lines. There's certain things you just don't say. And Sean Payton, who had to come out and humble himself and admit it, that he crossed the line. He got a little bit too full of himself. Yeah. Um, but you shouldn't take a shot at another coach. You know, because somewhere down the line, I doubt in this case, but somewhere down the line, look at how many times these guys coached with each other. You know, it, it's it's a big fraternity, but it's really not when you think there's only 32 teams in limited amount of positions. In terms, you know, and who knows? They could cross paths again working for the same organization. Yeah. He's, he said that he has not heard from Peyton and doesn't believe he will. <laughs> so, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, I mean, here's, here's the thing. Uh, it, it, it's while it, I, I don't think Peyton said anything that was not true. It was a disaster last year. It sure yep. was. I just, I don't know. Like, if you're Peyton, isn't it easier just to say, hey, look, there was a lot of things that went down last year that isn't going to happen this year. I can promise you that. We're, we're going to take a, a completely different approach to this. Like, I don't know. He just – he got loose. And I'm not going to rip him for it because we want these guys not to be robots. So I'm not going to sit here and be that guy, okay? But it was uh, – he went all in. Um, that's for sure. John pa- taking names. Yes, correct. Uh, but I'll pass along anything else he has to say, you know, as he as he continues to meet with the media. Uh, for right now. All right. So Super Bowl 58, Derek, will also, in addition to CBS, will also have an alternate uh, broadcast, Nickelodeon. Mm. They're going to make it kid friendly. They're going to you know, do all the all the stuff that they you know have done before with certain games. But yeah, they're going to they're going to it's also will be it's the first time it's ever been since the way back in the day when I think it was Super Bowl one. Uh, or the early years, it, it, first time in a long time that the game is going to be on two different channels. So basically, they're going to have the kiddies version of what the Manning brothers do on Monday Night Football. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, I probably. We'll Guys are going to get slimed during the game. Yeah, I would think. That it works. Yeah, SpongeBob uh, sideline report. I don't know, uh, but yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get Nickelodeon uh, during the game. All right. Um, beyond that, Shaq. This is a, another tough. Jeez, man, heartbreaker. Shaq Barrett's daughter drowned, unfortunately, during the offseason. But he said getting back on the football field is the best thing he could possibly do. He said the the toughest moments for him are when it's quiet, when he's by himself. He said being out here on the field with these guys, having to think about what the next play is and all that, said helps him immeasurably. So if it's that's a nice thing, at least he's got that that option of, of playing football and that helps him. So that's good. When you've gone through something as traumatic as that, uh, getting right back in a groove is is the best therapy for you. When he's on that football field, he's thinking about calls, alignments, plays. He's around his his fellow uh, NFL brethren. But you're right. Every time you have that moment to yourself, that flashback comes back to you. Can you imagine finding one of your kids dead at, dead at home? I can't even imagine what kind of state of mind, whether it's one of my kids or one of my grandkids, what kind of state of mind I would be in for a while. Yeah. You know, the best way, the best way to deal with that is to be, is is for one to be distracted with other things. So yeah, being on the field as much as it hurts him is the best place for him right now to heal. Yep. 
absolutely. Um, so wishing him, you know, peace, you know, more than anything else. Um, all right. Beyond that, Derek, a couple things I, in the, there's no shot. This happens category. Uh, Aaron Rodgers said he wouldn't mind playing in the preseason in preseason games. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. No shot, Aaron. Yeah. No shot. Yes. If my front, if my frontline guys are not out there now, there's a part of me that says, if you don't play Aaron Rodgers any, you're not playing any of your first team offense, which means they're getting no real live game reps other than control practice sessions, which means this thing could come out looking a little raggedy early on, especially getting timing down with receivers, audible calls, so on and so forth. You know, one of one of Aaron's biggest attributes is is his false count. You know, he was a master at drawing defenses yeah. offside and then at launching passes for big games. That just doesn't happen in practice. You got to get you got to get a game feel for that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would imagine you got to get Aaron just a series of reps somewhere. You know, you, you, maybe, maybe. I mean, look, you're right. The only way it even happens is if everybody's out there. You, you have all all your ones. It's it's all or nothing. Yeah, you're not going to have any backups out there protecting him. There's no shot that that happens. No, no. Okay. Uh, beyond that, uh, I thought this was cool. So Peyton Manning, uh, Matt LaFleur reached out to Peyton Manning to visit the Packers camp. Yeah. Just talk to the guys. And it, apparently, according to LaFleur and all the players, it was awesome. Uh, he gave them, he talked to them about lessons learned as a young player, responding to adversity, um, some of the great teams that he was on, his approach to the game. Uh, and they they came away just blown away. So that that's cool. I, I, I like when coaches do that mm. kind of stuff, even if it isn't someone who they had necessarily. I think it's awesome. And, and Peyton is still rel- relative enough now where all these young players oh, yeah. um, know who he was and what he stood for in the National Football League. So I'm sure they were awestruck just to see Peyton Manning on the field with them. Mm-hmm. But in terms of valuable information he can give them and how to conduct their business, I don't think there's anybody better in the NFL than Peyton Manning. Uh, Jerry Jones has not ruled out still Ezekiel Elliott coming back. I wouldn't. Why yeah. would you? Yeah. You know? If you could have Tony Pollard, and, and let's face it, we don't know when Tony Pollard's going to be 100% healthy. Right. And now the, the other guy's out for two games. Ronald Jones out for two games. Right. But if you have a backfield of Tony Pollard, Ronald Jones, and Zeke, that's not a bad backfield to have at your disposal. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I don't, I don't blame you. You got you to gotta figure. I, I think this is a move by Jerry Jones. Let's wait and see what, what Zeke is being offered on the open market. We haven't heard anybody offer Zeke any kind of numbers on the open market, which means if Zeke doesn't find what he wants, Cowboys can get him even at a lesser rate than they're anticipating financially right now. That's the thing. It makes perfect sense. If he has no leverage, if there's no offers out there on the table and he wants to be on a team to start the season, it could happen. It yep. could. Yep. Uh, we'll see if New England pulls the trigger there because he's, you know he visited there as well. All right. Uh, beyond that, and then we'll get to our, our greatest here. Um this, this is from the category of a guy who I thought was going to be very good, Derek, and never panned out in the NFL for whatever mm-hmm. reason. The Raiders released O.J. Howard. When he was coming out, I thought he was going to be a stud. I did, I too. really did. It never worked in, in Tampa, and it didn't work anywhere else, really. 94 passes caught over the last three years in Tampa, but he had just over 25 the next two years and then got cut by the Bills. Yeah, yeah. You know. Just not I mean, there. I, know, I, know he had, I know he had injury history, but still, big body, able guy, um, yeah. good speed, great hands, and you're right. I thought I thought he had the talent to be a Pro Bowler. To be honest with you, uh, to it's be strange. quite honest with you, 
Yeah. And unfortunately, it just didn't pan out for him. And now he got cut again. Yeah. This soon, that means it didn't look too good, you know, from Jump Street. Mm. Yeah. Tough one. All right. Let's let's move on to our greatest series. And this was a good one, Derek. This, This one was fun. Oh yeah, the, the, the Colts because you get you get the you know the old school Baltimore Colts. Yep, you get the Indianapolis Colts as well. And man, this was hard picking ten. It, it was re- there are there are guys who legitimately should be on any ten list that you just there's just not enough spots. Like this, this was this was oh. one of the tougher ones when you think Indianapolis. Well, Indianapolis has won a Super Bowl, but yep. when you mix them with the old with the new, this is one of the tougher lists ever had to come up with. And again, we must emphasize, this is not a list where we think these are the 10 best players. These are 10 players that we consider were for historically valuable to organizations. So it's yeah. not like our list, my, my list against the Rob's list right. in terms of the 10 greatest players. These are 10 of the greatest players that ever played for this organization. No question. All right, you go, you go first. first oh, how can you not start with Peyton Manning? I mean, exactly. seriously. Exactly. Peyton Speaking Manning, of, yep. Rob, in all the football I've watched, there has been none better at stepping to the line of scrimmage and changing plays on a fly two, three, four times before the snap of a ball and running the play to perfection. Peyton Manning was the epitome of what what it meant to have a coach under center uh, in in a National Football League game. One of the smartest, one of the most highly decorated, has numerous records across the board, won a Super Bowl with two different teams, um, I can, I, you can't say enough about Peyton Manning historically when it comes to that Colts organization. Yep, agreed. I mean, the, the numbers are staggering, right? Most career wins, passing yards, attempts, completions, TDs, four MVPs, five All Pros, ten Pro. I mean, we could go on. We we could be here forever just on his numbers. That's and he won another MVP when he was with Denver, so he won Denver. five MVPs. Yeah. Uh, I'll go Johnny Unitas next. Oh yeah. Uh, we'll go quarterback. Quarterback played for them from '56 to '72. Won back-to-back titles in 58-59. Won the MVP four times. You know, you're talking about 40,000 yards and 290 TDs in yes. an era where passing wasn't what it is now. Uh, you know, I mean, just a just greatness. You, you think of the flat top. You think of the, the black cleats. You know, just number 19 slinging it. This dude had a cannon, you know, for, for that era. He was – he personified the Baltimore Colts, like that era of, of – mm-hmm. of, Baltimore Colts and football. That was Johnny Unitas. I'll go Marvin Harrison. Yes. Over 14,000 receiving yards. A hundred, get this, 128 receiving touchdowns mm-hmm. in the career of Marvin Harrison. Yep. Wasn't the biggest receiver out there, but my goodness, he was one of the most sure-handed, one of the best route runners that ever played the game, had breakaway speed, uh, tough as nails, you know, kind of like a Steve, like a better version of a Steve Smith to me. Oh, yeah. He wasn't as thick as a Steve Smith, but he was just as fearless and tenacious as a Steve Smith. When you have 128 touchdown receptions in your career, that tells you the quality of player that you were. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, he was he was a machine. He really was. Even when he hung oh. it up, he was still still phenomenal. You know, the, this is one of those that fits into the category of like which team do I give him to Marshall Falk? Yes. So he comes out of the shoot with five years in Indy. And if you look at the five years, 1200 yards rushing over a thousand, uh, over two years later, over a thousand ends at, at 13, 19. That's just rushing. 
Then you look at receiving rookie year, 52 catches, 522, 56 catches, 475, 56, 428, yes. 47, 471, 86 for 908. Yes. You know, it, I think people would probably say his better years were with the Rams because he won it there and great a show on turf and all that. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that he had five spectacular years. No question about it. So, you know, you, you can go either way if you want to put it or put them on both, put them on the Rams and the Colts list. Yes. I'm going to add uh, Reggie Wayne. Now, yes. Reggie Wayne obviously got overshadowed a lot by Marvin Harrison's presence. But here's another guy. We talk about Marvin Harrison over 14,000 receiving yards. How quickly we forget Reggie Wayne had well over 14,000 receiving yards and 82 touchdown catches. Overshadowed a little bit by Marvin because they, yes. they were they converged in their career. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, he's second all time in Colts history in numerous receiving categories. Well, guess who's number one? Marvin Harrison. Right. So Reggie Wayne might have been their all time receiving leader in a lot of categories if there wasn't a guy named Marvin Harrison. Mm -hmm. But he was a six time pro bowler. I had forgotten he was a first round pick. He was picked 30th overall. Out of Miami. I thought, was, yep. I thought he was a second or third round pick when he came into the league. Incredible. But here's a guy who was a first round pick and in and, and his career speaks for itself, yeah. you know, and he, you know, and such a quality receiver. He never gets mentioned among the elite receivers. In an I know. I don't know why he gets over. It's a, sh and maybe because he was, you know, he played with, you know, some great one. I don't know. I, yeah. I, he's, I think he's back coaching with them too, which is good. I'm glad to see him still yeah. in the game too. I, I was always a big fan of Reggie Wayne. I thought he always got a little overlooked. That's a good choice. I had him on there too. I'll go John Mackey, uh, oh the big yeah. tight end, because he's a guy who really brought, like, not to say tight ends didn't catch passes, but I think they were more looked at as blockers. Yes. Prior to the Mackey era. So he comes in in 63, five Pro Bowls, three Pro, all, all pros. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he was one of United's favorite targets, was a guy who was great down the field, had awesome hands, could block. He was he could do everything on the football field and really started to pave the way for a lot of the, that new era that was ushered. Like him and Ditka and those guys ushered it in for the next you know generation of tight ends that became that great tight end. So John Mackey was a beast. I can still remember and see visions of John Mackey when he did catch passes, bouncing off tackles and dragging people down the field. Stunning. He was a big, he was a huge huge man. Mm -hmm. He reminds me of the former San Diego Chargers tight end. Um, Callum Winslow, uh, not no Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates, yeah, he was a big man. You're right, he was a primary blocker. But you talk about sure-handed, you know, making diving catches and think, you know, back in that era, they were playing a slop. You know, a lot of times uh -huh. they, they played Terrible. a sloppy field. Yeah, yeah. And this man, you talk about stood out. The DBs weren't as big. The linebackers, were, a lot of linebackers and DBs weren't even close to being as big as he is. Yeah, you know, and that dude would just bounce off people and punish people with his overall play. Yeah, John Mackey is definitely on my list. Okay. Now, Who else uh, do you have? Another tight end I had to put on my list was Dallas Clark. Hmm. You know, Dallas Clark, when you look at his overall numbers, then they're not comparable to the big-name tight ends we've talked about in the game. But Dallas Clark was a big-game tight end for them. You know, he was with that team from 2003 to 2011. Uh, he was a he was an instrumental target for Peyton Manning in a lot of situations, a first-down situations. So if you if you looked at his numbers in terms of first down catches, big play catches, so on and so forth, and keep drives, you know Dallas Clark was was huge, and I believe he was a member of the organization after his playing days were over for a while. I don't know if he still is. Um, he only had one one thousand yard season in his entire career with the Colts, 
but it, he was always in that range, four, five, 600, 40, 50 catches. You know, uh, Dallas Clark was, to me, a huge, huge player for that organization for a number of seasons. Good choices. Uh, you know, really good choice right there. I got to go Lenny Moore. Uh, you know, Lenny Moore was just phenomenal running back, 56 to, to 67. Seven Pro Bowls, Derek. Five All Pros during that stretch, um, and, and just an unbelievable running back. He could do everything out of the backfield. Uh, could block, could run. Was tough as nails. I mean, he was, he was there. I mean, he was right there with, with the best of that era, and and just a great player. So I'll go Lenny Moore. The the next two players, I could go either way on these because they played together for a while and one of the greatest tandems ever. So. I closed my eyes and just threw a dart, and I had to go with Dwight Freeney. Yes. Dwight Freeney played his entire – wait, I think he played his entire career. Um, he had 125 and a half sacks. Now, correction, played most of his career in Indy. Uh, 125 sacks, 107 of them were with the Colts. Okay. You that's talk a about lot, a That's a huge number. That's a huge number. Yeah. Dude, you talk about a guy coming off the edge and just firing off the ball. Yeah, you know, in in many cases, getting to the backfield before a tackle could get out of his stance. Mm-hmm. Nonstop motor motor when he played, uh, one of the best edge rushers to ever play the game. Uh, he was the eleventh overall pick when he came out of college back in two thousand and two. He led the NFL in sacks in two thousand four with sixteen quarterback sacks. And what a career he had, man! It just just nonstop disruptive factor. Yeah, uh, when he played. Good choice. I, I saw Dan throw this one in there, and I, I, he was going to be my next one. Gino Marchetti, 53-66. to 66. Ah, He won two titles. He won an MVP. He, he, he was – this is crazy, man. He he was in – he was 11-time Pro Bowler and a nine-time All-Pro. I, I mean, this guy was the premier defensive player, or at least one of them, like Bednarik and a couple of those guys of that era. He was that good. Mm. He was that good. So, yeah. You see, Big Phil said Freeney Freeney destroyed his Connecticut sack record. (laughs) Yeah, well, records are made to be broken, Dan, unfortunately. Not not a bad guy to have breaking it. You're talking about one of the greatest that have ever played in Freeney. I I talked about a duo. Robert Mathis on the other side coming off the other side. Can you imagine being a quarterback stepping under center? you got to watch for Freeney on one side and Robert Mathis on the other side. Yeah. You know, he had 123 sacks in his career. Yeah. You know. Uh, he was he played 14 seasons all with the Colts. Um, he started as a rookie. He was 138th player taken overall in the year he came out in 2003, and he started as a rookie. And he stripping strip sacking. He he led the league in in one year with uh, I believe it was what uh, I can't remember what year it was. But in terms of forced fumbles, right. he had 54 forced fumbles in his career. Jeez. For a career, 54 forced fumbles on top of 123 sacks. Um, man, I'll tell you what. Freeney and Mathis, if you if you ever wanted to compare edge rushing duos, how could you not include them? They're in any conversation. I yeah. would agree with you. All right, last one I'll throw out there is Alan Amici, uh, another okay. guy who's kind of old school here, but still. Uh, 55 to 60, not a ton of years. Four Pro Bowls. He was rookie of the year. Over 4,000 yards rushing and 40 touchdowns during that time. And played a key role in some of their bigger games that, that the Colts won when they when they won it back to back years. You know the, the years they were with Unitas and those guys. He was a he was the workhorse during that time. Uh, but nonetheless, a great running back for a short period of time. So I if I'm going to go five years with Falk, I'll go five years with him too. So I bet yeah. Um, I, I have two more on my list. One All of right. them has to be Jeff Saturday. Yeah, 
when Jeff Saturday came out of college, he was undrafted. He was ranked as the 11th. Think about this. The 11th best center in the draft he came out mm. in 1999. He was drafted by, um, I forgot who drafted him. They cut him right away. He yeah. was drafted like in April or May. He was cut in June. He took a job as a manager for an electrical supply company. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, out of need, the Colts pick him up. And all he did was stay with the Colts for 13 seasons. Out of 197 possible games he could have played in, he started 188. Jeez. Perennial pro bowler. He, he was he was along the lines of a Jason Kelsey early in his career, deemed undersized, couldn't handle the power D tackles that would line up over him. Yep. The Colts saw something in him, and he continued to grow into his position, as Jason Kelsey did. And when he was tired, he was second to none. He finished out his career one year in Green Bay. But you talk about the rock of stability at the center position. Peyton Manning admits time and time again he counted on, on Jeff Saturday as much as he counted on anybody in that offense. They had such a connection between the two. Um, and so definitely he deserves to be on this list. Yeah, I mean, think about what Kelsey means to whoever he has been, you know, taking the snaps from him, just protection-wise and all those kind yep. of things. I mean, it's yep. it's huge to have that kind of center, that's for sure. All right, that was uh, that was fun. Good uh, good list there. One, one uh, more I got to add to the list. I have to oh, add. I'm sorry, Edgerin James. Okay, yeah, you got to put yep. him on. He was yep. the fourth player taken overall um, when he came out of college. Yep. He was the offensive rookie of the year, and even to this day, even though he was only with the team from. 1999 to 2005, he's still the all-time leading rusher for that team. Yeah. You yeah, know, I, I mean, it, think about that trade, right? Yep. The Edger and James Falk trade, I mean, two spectacular players there. It's mm. crazy. It really is. You know, John Doe puts Bob Sanders on that list. Bob Sanders is one of my all-time favorite safeties. Yeah. Bob Sanders hit so hard, he would, hit, he would knock himself out. And I, I think his career was cut short because he hurt himself a lot of times more than he hurt, hurt other players. A smaller guy, but man, you talk about fearless. You know, no question. You know, Bob Sanders deserves to be on that list. But, uh, but there were so many other players we I, I to pick from. I wish it didn't end so soon. Uh, you know, he was if he was just a little bit bigger. But yeah, he was he was a stud, and he 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 laid it all on the line. The thing you never had to question with him, never questioned his heart. I mean, that dude was all in Whew. every single time. One other one other guy I considered putting him on the list, but because his body of work was cut short, you couldn't put Andrew Luck on the list. You know, he was with the team from 2012 to 18. Yeah. You know, you look at the volume of when he played, you look at the numbers he put up, incredible numbers, but look at the multitude of injuries. I mean, he missed one full season, I believe it was, almost because of injuries. And, of course, he couldn't finish out what he started. But he had the potential to go down as one of the great ones in the National Football League. I agree. Unfortunately, yeah. severe injuries took its toll on him. Yep. yep. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was cut short. You know, Eric Dickerson, you make an argument for, but it was, you know, again, oh were the better years with the Rams. You know, again, you could argue Raymond Burry uh, oh, was another one that I looked at. I mean, Raymond Burry, six Pro Bowls, was United's probably favorite target. You know, he was number one, and then there was Mackey. He's a Hall of Famer as well. Um, a lot of good names, man. A lot of good names. That's why this stuff's so much fun. I mean, I left Tariq Glenn off of there. Tariq yeah. Glenn was an office, a phenomenal offensive player for the Adam Vinatieri should get honorable mention, to be honest with you. I say he's the most clutch kicker that's ever lived, whether it's a Patriot or a Colt. You know, he play. played. here's a guy who played 10 seasons with the Patriots and played 14 in Indianapolis. I know. He had a 24-year career. 
insane. I think I think Tucker. I said this team when we were doing the Ravens. Justin Tucker yeah. goes down in, in as maybe the best for distance and accuracy and all that. But yeah. it, it didn't matter what the weather condition. I know in in Indy he was home games were in a dome. He was great in the cold and the yeah. snow of Vinatieri. area. It didn't matter. He went out there and delivered every single time. That guy was clutch. Mm. He just was. Um, all right, let's get a timeout in. We'll give you an update if there's anything going on Phillies-wise, trade deadline. We will talk about that, certainly. We'll give you birthdays. We'll give you movies. We'll sneak some more Eagles in before we get out of here. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. You're watching Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Right back. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Welcome back in, everybody. Final segment of the show. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. That's Gunner. I'm Rob. Uh, unfortunately, we're three hours and uh, 11 minutes away, and there's no updates from the Phillies. 
uh, yet. There hasn't been any moves made uh, that we know of as of right now. They've been, you know, talked about, involved. Um, the the big one. Rob's getting nervous. Here's a, here's the big one so far that just came down uh, from Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Justin Verlander and the Astros, who won two World Series together. Now they're back together, vying for a third. The Mets have moved. Yeah, that's the Astros saying, all right. We're it. We you forgot about us for a second, guys. Guess what? We're back. Here we go. Yeah. Well, look, yeah, back they, the watch, they watched what the Texans did. Uh, the Rangers, I mean, did, and they said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Just a minute now." You know. Okay, we understand. We got to battle them for the division title. We got to meet firepower with firepower. Yeah. What are the Mets doing, man? This is one of the biggest fiascos ever. When you consider the money they spent in the off season, yeah. and now they're just gutting a team yeah. to give it up. Derek, they're repurposing. Yeah, okay, repurpose. Hey, hey, check this out. This came down. We missed this one. Came down a few hours ago. So Mike, Tom- Mike Tomlin, did you see this? Mike Tomlin no, shared his thoughts on the Sean Payton, Aaron Rodgers food, uh, feud. Okay. Um, Tomlin said exactly what we all think. Quote, all I know is that I hope that week five game between the Broncos and Jets is on national TV. <laughs> Yeah, these guys are fans, man. They're fans just like we are. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Yeah, wow. I'm telling you. All right, wait. Hold on. Let me let let's let's. Uh, I, I forgot to do this the other day, so let's let's do it. All right, let's go to week five. Yeah. Okay. Let's look at week five for a minute. All right. So we know that game. This much we know. That's a four twenty-five. All right. Okay. All Jets right. at Denver. Here's the unfortunate thing, Derek. Eagles play at four o'clock. They're at the Rams. Why couldn't the Eagles be a one o'clock that day or a Sunday night or a Monday night? Come on, man. Seriously. I I, listen. I know I'm with you. It stinks. Oh my God. Now, now let let me ask you this. What time is the Steelers game that day? Steeler, they're a one o'clock. So Tomlin will get to see some of that. Tomlin's going to be like this. Okay, boys. Oh man. Let me, you want to hear that day? That's a, it's a pretty good day. Um, Thursday night is the Bears in, in Washington. That's nah. yeah, but okay. but then you have a, a London game at 9 30. This is a good one, Jacksonville and Buffalo. That's the 9 30 game. Oh, ooh, I like that. That's pretty nice, right? Um, Carolina at Detroit. I'm interested. Yeah, I'm interested. Uh, Tennessee at the Colts. Yeah, the Giants. <laughs> this is a good one. Giants at the Dolphins. Oh, yes, yes. New Orleans at New England. That's a good one. Oh, man. Baltimore at Pittsburgh. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yep. And then the Eagles are at the Rams, as I mentioned. Uh, Bengals, Cardinals, nah. And then, then, of course, you have the Jets and the uh, and the Broncos. And then Kansas wow. City at Minnesota, also 425. What? How about oh, the night game? Goodness. Cowboys at the Niners. Oh, my goodness. And then Dude, your the Packers. The is great. I know. Your Packers play Monday night. They're at the, the uh, Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. That's a good week five, though. It is. That's a great week five. Yeah. We, we know what the highlight is. <laughs> we know what, what we're all going to be locked in on. So it's all good. Ooh. All good. Yeah. Going to be fun. Going to be fun. All right. Let's do some uh, let's do some birthdays and some movies here. But again, no updates on the Phillies. There's that We will pass it along as soon as we hear uh, anything. All right. Uh, here we go. Let's start with uh, Jason Momoa is 44 yep. years old today. Mm-hmm. Formerly, uh, man. Okay. Yeah, formerly married to Lisa Bonet. Uh, he's 44. 
Jerry Garcia, uh, who was the longtime uh, Grateful Dead singer guitarist, uh, passed away in 1995, I believe. He is he was yep. born in 1942. Uh, Coolio, who we just lost uh, last year, is yep. uh, was born in 1963. One of the best uh, rap songs ever, "Gangsta's Paradise." That's right. That's right. Rest in peace to him as well. Uh, 1936, Eve Saint Laurent. You know, I, was, see, I was waiting to correct you, but you said it perfectly. I'm <laughs> so glad you said that. I was going to correct you because people mispronounce it. Yes. Uh, let's Dom DeLuise was 1933. Very funny, funny actor. Yep. Uh, Herman Melville, the the, the great uh, the great author. Uh, 18 Moby Dick. Moby Dick, among others. Yep. yep. Uh, Robert Todd Lincoln, who was Abraham Lincoln's uh, son, 1843. Yep. Uh, Francis Scott Key, of course, one of the most famous songs ever written, 1779 for uh, Francis Scott Key. Uh, John Carroll Lynch was uh, 1960, or is 60 years old today, the actor. Yeah. Chuck D, public enemy, fight the there power, 63, 63 there years old. Tempest Bledsoe, actress from The Cosby Show. She had her own talk show as well. Vanessa, Vanessa, Vanessa Vanessa's 50 today, man. Yep. Get that something. That's crazy. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, pitcher who I believe is out of baseball right now, is yes. 34 years yep. old. Sam Mendes, excellent director, uh, is 58 today. Edger and James, we were just talking about him. There you go. 45 today. Taylor Negron, the actor-comedian, was born in 1957. Joe Elliott, the lead singer of Def Leppard, is 64. Austin Rivers, Doc Rivers' son, NBA player, is 31. Did you know uh, the history? Did you know the history? That they that that he was the first player ever to play for his dad in the NBA when when Doc was coaching the Clippers. Is that right? I didn't know yeah. that was the first time that's ever happened. Back in January of 2015, Doc traded him too. They traded him away. Sure did. Adam Duritz, the uh, the lead singer of uh, of the Black of Counting Crows, Counting uh, is 50, yeah. yeah 59. And Doc Emmerich, the great Mike Emmerich, is 77 years young. One today. of my favorites. Oh, I mean, I think he's the best to ever do it in hockey, uh, for sure. All right, that's all I have birthdays. What else do you have? Uh, you got Clay Matthews Sr., uh, who obviously uh, set the trends for his sons to come. He was born on this day in 1928, if you can believe that. Oh, man. William, William Clark of the Lewis and Clark Expedition, one of historical values there, was born on this day in 1770. Okay. That's it. All right, all right. Birthdays, not a ton. Guardians of the Galaxy, twenty fourteen. Yep. Air Bud, ninety seven. Get on up. Great performance by Chadwick Boseman, and that one is James Brown. Yep. Uh, twenty fourteen. The Mummy, two thousand eight. American Wedding, two thousand three. And Swing Vote, oh eight, two thousand eight. What else do you have? Oh, uh, that's it. Going back to uh, birthdays, just real quick. Kiki Vandeweghe, fifty five on this day. Uh, Stacy Ogman, another NBA player. Plastic 50. Man. Yes. I'm sorry, Kiki. Kiki, sixty five. Stacey Augman, 55 today. Okay. And former NFL receiver Cliff Branch, 75 today. Great player. He was a great player. He really was. He finally got in the Hall of Fame. It took it took a while, but he finally yes. got in. Um, all right. We are out of time, d yep. I'm going fishing. I'm getting there out of here. Go. You do that. You go fishing. I am. Uh, I'm going right down the road, two miles down the road, and uh, just wet a line for a couple of hours. I love it. Get I love it. All right. Go enjoy yourself, my friend. Uh, we're back at it tomorrow. I want to thank Tone to Shields. Tone, great job as always. Thank you, buddy. Uh, thank you to everybody in the chat, everybody streaming, everybody listening. We're back tomorrow, same time, three hours of power. Don't go anywhere. You got Dan Cilio and the National Football Show coming your way right now. So, everybody, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. We will see you guys Wednesday. Thanks for hanging out. Appreciate it.
E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.